Why this fool got more comics than a motherfucker? MCMF, the comic book podcast where I try to get you, dear listener, into the wonderful world of comic books by making my friends read those comics. Joining me here on this episode, the actual episode 47, I know I said episode 47 last time, that's because I can't count, it's Chloe. Welcome Hello back again. Uh, this so, is a sequel. This is a sequel, yeah. So uh, we wanted to continue your journey through the X-Men uh, on this podcast. We did... Uh, the uh, second Genesis episode a while back and felt like a natural thing to have you back for uh, one of the most, probably the most famous X-Men story of all time, which is the Dark Phoenix Saga. I actually, like, so that episode was like a year and a half ago or something? Something like, like that. Spring 22? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so it was cool. Um, I started reading some more comics this summer because I watched Spider-Verse, and then, like, August or so, so like four months ago, I was like, let me just read the Claremont run, and then when Marcus texted me to ask if I wanted to do this episode, it was, like, literally the very next issue I had to read, so. You would have read this regardless. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so See, this- I read through all the fucking Magneto shit. Savage Land shit, oh. Japan shit. <laughs> Claremont's 19 months of just bullshitting around. I don't know. What if they got on a, on a tanker ship? Hey, what if they were on... Yeah, what if they were on a boat? What if they were in Japan? <laughs> what if they all wore, like, seaman sweaters? What if Cyclops was fucking Colleen Wing? What if... <laughs> What if we get really in-depth into the effect that Scott Summers has on women? What if Professor X just got up and fucked off to space because he thought the X-Men were all dead? Oh my god. (laughs) There is... I'm not gonna go into it, but I have been reading the classic X-Men, like, the reprint issues, so they all have these, like, backup stories in the back, like, after the main issue. There is this one backup story where it shows you, like, hey, here's what Charles was up there and it's just him throwing a temper tantrum all the aliens humans are like uncivilized and someone is like like some sort of bitch boy they said they then treat him like leandra uh lalandra keep your fucking pet on a leash keep your dog locked up lalandra we don't want to hear him (laughs) he's in like a star wars cantina and he's like playing chess with himself and somebody comes over with their, like, toddler, and it's like, you want to play chess with the human? <laughs> and Charles is like, fuck you. Charles is like, I have incredibly powerful psychic powers. Fuck you, man. <laughs> I can read your fucking anyway. mind. I know what you had for dinner last night. I know how your wife likes it, playboy. Fuck with me if you want to. It takes we're a lot to make me feel trouble. bad for Charles Xavier. <laughs> We got like fucking ten issues to get through. Yeah, yeah. This is a is a long and 
but we'll, we will chug on through it. This story begins uh, in issue 129 of Uncanny X-Men. I do want to note, if you have ever read an X-Men story, if you've ever watched an X-Men movie, an X-Men cartoon, you know this story in some form or fashion. But a lot of people don't realize there are a lot of things that are like brand new to this. Like Dark Phoenix happens, this is five, four or five years into Claremont's run. Uh, it is immediately following Proteus, a story that has never been adapted for fucking anything, because they're like, we're not going to touch Proteus. <laughs> Don't combine physically with your father. <laughs> Do not combine with your father and try to violently murder your mother, Kevin. <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen the face Chloe made when I said Kevin. It's his fucking name. <laughs> Kevin McTaggart. So this is post-Proteus. They're it's in a- fucking Scotland. It's immediately post-Proteus. Like, Pro- the Proteus fight ended uh, three hours ago. <laughs> or a few days ago. Yeah, Colossus um, ripped him into death. <laughs> and then they're getting on the plane to go home. <laughs> uh, Banshee's Sonic Scream doesn't work anymore. Uh... And the, uh, I think when they were in like, oh, when they were in Japan, he yeah, had to do Japan, like a yes. super scream to stop that guy from blowing up Japan. Yes, and it like broke his throat. Yeah, so Banshee is exiting the story here. He is for the next few years just going to be hanging out on Muir Island with Moira, uh, which is good nice. for him. <laughs> really good for him. Um, we get a little Jamie, Alex, and Lorna cameo. <laughs> God, so Scott asks. Scott turns to Jamie immediately after. <laughs> After Banshee's like, yeah, man, I'm done. I'm retired. I'm going to hang out here uh, with my girlfriend. I'll see you guys. You know, you need me. Give me a call. But don't need me. Okay? I'll see you around. <laughs> he looks, Scott turns and looks at Jamie Madrex. He's like, huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's like, nah, dude, I'm going to hang out here. He turns to Alex and Lorna. He's like, huh? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Don't you hang out with your big brother? And Alex is like, fucking no, dude. I'm gonna go back to New Mexico. <laughs> Work on my degree. This is such a tangent, but during the Proteus stuff, one of the backup stories is about Alex and Lorna, and it's just like Alex like flipping out and having this whole brooding like hallucination thing. And then everyone's like, okay, Alex. <laughs> is there any character that the X-Men kind of don't take seriously? It's Alex. Like, they're like, yeah, Scotty's brother, whatever, don't worry about it. And he likes it that way. Don't worry about me. I'm gonna be working on my degree in fucking geophysics. Leave me alone. He's like, yeah, I want to live as normal life as possible. And uh, Scott tells him, good for you, little brother. I hope whatever happens, you and Lorna will be happy. And uh, he said, (laughs) Alex says, and I hope the same for you and Gene, Scott. We in the business call this foreshadowing. <laughs> they will not. <laughs> None of them will, frankly. None of so, these people will have anything resembling a normal life after, like, 1985. I just noticed. So they, they all get on the Blackbird, and they're all sitting around. Wolverine has a pillow. <laughs> it's good for He's leaning back Indiana Jones style in the seat. He's got a pillow. If there's anybody whose neck just fucking feels uncomfortable all the time, it's Wolverine. 
You think Wolverine, like, ever sits comfortably? I don't think so. <laughs> give me um, a pillow, pub. One of those nice ones, not that neck bullshit that they give you at the airport. Uh, Piotr Colossus is having some little angst because he's the one that uh, had to kill Proteus. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, because like, Proteus' powers didn't work on metal, I think. Yes, they couldn't affect Colossus because of him being living steel. Uh, Colossus is an interesting character at this point because there's still stuff for him to do. Um, and he's being like the youngest member of the X-Men. You get like a lot of like introspective. The youngest and the biggest. Right, he is the youngest and the largest. Uh, he is the greatest son of the Soviet Union. Uh, but he's just trying his best. And so a lot of times you get, like, introspection from Colossus of, like, what the fuck am I doing? I want to go home. I haven't seen my parents in several months. I'm missing my little sister growing up. And then he misses his little sister growing up in the biggest way possible when uh, Ileana winds up in limbo. Uh, and so they're heading home to the... You know, heading back to New York. And it's it says, uh, There's no answer to Peter Rasputin's anguished thoughts, only doubts about his life as the X-Men Colossus that gnaw insatiably at his heart and soul. As the Blackbird streaks westward at five times the speed of sound, rapidly overtaking a larger, slower corporate jetliner, marked with the stylized logo of New York's legendary Hellfire Club. The paint on the jet's hull is as black as the heart of its only passenger. For the past few months, he's gone by the name of Jason Whitcoff and worn the face of a gentleman rogue. He's also taken great pains to become the most important person in Jean Grey's life. This man's so this much. Is, he, he might be like the biggest bastard in the fucking history of this franchise. Total scumbag. Check his hard drive. (laughs) What are the things we say on this podcast about the absolute worst people alive? Like, legitimately, I don't know if there's a worse person in this franchise than Jason Wingard. Like, he's the worst. I hate him so much. Like, and I'm saying that that this is a franchise that also includes Mr. Sinister, an evil geneticist. (laughs) Um... And uh, the Trask family, broadly, Jason Wingard is like a super piece of shit. Sebastian Shaw is like a collaborator and is not as bad as this dude. Because he has been, for the last few months, while Gene has been separated from the other X-Men, he has basically been using an illusion to fuck with her mind so crazy that she thinks that uh, she is like slipping back and forth in time, taking like, living through one of her uh, ancestors' lives. And uh, she also thinks that she might be in love with him. Um, I don't know if this was specifically in the classic backup stories, but, like, he's been following her. Like, anytime she goes somewhere, he just, like, appears in, like, and, like, starts seducing her and, like, putting, like, implanting shit in her mind. And it's... Oh, it is so fucking bad. Because, like, Jean, like, goes to Greece just for a little bit, like, once she thinks died. Yeah. I'm just gonna get out of here for a minute. I gotta chill. And then fucking Jason Wingard is there disguised as a man named, like, Nikos, and he starts, like, seducing her and trying to 
fuck her on the beach and shit. Uh, and, like, he sucks. His daughters, though, are the funniest fucking characters ever invented for this franchise. Because they're just these two bimbos who know how to do illusions. <laughs> A bimbo drop. <laughs> That's there is. Have you ever seen the ladies' mastermind? There's no other way to describe them. Um, I've heard them described as basically just being the cock destroyers. <laughs> like they are, they they're just like hanging out in like low cut tops, going, "Oh my god, <laughs> I can't believe you broke out of my illusion." <laughs> They're fucking hilarious. Uh, he sucks. <laughs> but the one good thing to come yeah. out of it is that he has these two daughters who are the fucking worst. I love them. So, Jason Wedgard is in the fucking plane. He has the gaudiest furniture in here. He has shag carpet inside the airplane. It is 1980. <laughs> of course he does. He's just like... He just kicked back in an armchair with some, like, lady in panties and a bustier, just, like, holding... I assume holding, that's like, Tessa, a, but they don't say. Just holding, like, a chalice of, like, brandy for him, and he's, like, It looks like he's smoking. smoking a fucking doobie on the plane. <laughs> it's all brown. <laughs> all seeds. All stems. He's absolutely smoking all that bullshit. Yeah, so he's basically saying that, like, Every time he touches Gene's mind, he, like, worms further in there. He's a total scumbag. Yeah, he says, I'm merely giving her a taste of her most innermost and forbidden needs and desires. Within her angel soul, as in all our souls, lurks a devil, a yang counterpart to the surface yin. All I'm doing is freeing that negative part of herself from its moral cage. Wingard smiles, concentrates, and miles away, Jean Grey's world suddenly turns topsy-turvy. He is obsessed with her, sending her to this, like, fucking 16th century fantasy. I don't know why yeah. Claremont always has the fucking Hellfire Club dressed like, dressed like fucking Ben Franklin. But, like, Jean is in, like, a petticoat, this huge dress. She's dressed like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. So he, like, basically mind whammies her, so she thinks she's in, like, the 1700s. Yes. And she's on, like, a sailing ship to America. Yeah. And I don't think, like, his powers on their own are not this strong. I want to say, like, Emma is... They explain it later. Okay, yeah. How he's doing this. But his power is just illusion. But somehow he's fucking doing this to Gene. Yeah. And Gene he's is. kind of like, I don't know if he's like, pu like putting her consciousness in here and then having the illusion cast the Gene him. within the emotion act out, like kissing him and stuff. Or if he's like putting the emotions in her head that she wants. To. Yes. But I, I think it's closer to that second one where he is like, Using the illusions and everything to make her think, like, you you want this. I'm Jason Wingard. I'm so handsome. Yeah, because she, like, Jason, it, Wingard in the illusion is, like, just 
completely in character, like, Is anything I missed, Gene? I thought I heard you. Yeah. And then Gene is like, Alright, he's like, I know we've had a rough passage, my darling, but we'll soon be in New York, and then you'll be mine forever. And then Jean is like, yes, Jason, oh, yes, but in her mind she's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> the emotions are so intense, oh, I gotta break away, and she, like, runs out onto the deck. Jason looks like he's really into, like, like, the shittiest fucking, like, metal bands. Like... <laughs> He looks like he'd hear you say, yeah, man, I'm really into, like, Slayer. And he's like, ugh. You don't know, you don't know what real music is. <laughs> Me and fucking Dimebag go way back, bro. So she tries to check if it's an illusion, and her powers tell her it's all real, so she thinks she's going back in time. Right. And she's like, I think I'm getting these time slips, because I thought I was getting this because of Proteus, but... It looks like it's something else. Am I physically, am I psychically shifting in time, reliving the life of one of my ancestors? It must be like a side effect of my fucking Phoenix powers, I guess. Uh, What scares me is that it keeps happening. And what will happen if I'm trapped in the past? What happens to my body in the present? And the captain walks by and says, Milady? The captain, wait, I know that voice. I saw you you come on deck, ma'am. Is anything in its fucking Cyclops? It's like a match cut of, like, the ship captain, and then it's Cyclops. But it's, yeah. like, you can see that it's just Cyclops dressed different in the illusion. Yes. So she, like, snaps out of it because Cyclops comes to talk to her. This is foreshadowing for something super fucked up that happens later. <laughs> oh, wait, did that already So happen? Scott wants to help. He can see she's scared. Yeah. Um, He's like, so they uh, start talking, and she's like, I know you were dating Colleen, and... <laughs> Well, because he goes, hey, Scott goes, I, he's like, I should explain some things. And she's like, what, that you were dating Colleen? Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, I picked up stray thoughts from everybody else. He's like, yeah, I mean, me and Colleen are friends. Note, Colleen gave this man a key to her apartment. <laughs> Fucking throwing Colleen under the goddamn bus. Colleen? Like, no, she's a friend. No more, no less. I don't have a key to her apartment. Colleen did not give me a letter that smelled like her with a key to her apartment in it. Scott Summers has a um, crazy effect on women. And here we get the... So, like, in the whole previous arc, it was like... They thought Jean had just died, but Scott was like... It seemed like he didn't even care. And yeah, here they like kind really of explain... About it. Like, if he had like, let himself process that, he would have just snapped. Yeah, so he's he like, just I had lost so much shit. That. He said, losing you was the loss I couldn't take. If I'd allowed myself to feel anything, the grief would have broken me, maybe killed me. When I thought you died, it was like that part of my mind just shut itself off. And I didn't feel anything. Gene, you're everything to me, as necessary as the air I breathe. I used to say I love you without truly knowing what I was talking about. I know now. A little, anyway. <laughs> this is this is the thing that makes the Claremont stuff so fucking good. Is that he's like, let me write a no- let me write like blurbs from a romance novel here. You you motherfuckers want some the- prose? <laughs> when they exchange "I love yous," Scott is like fucking clutching Jean. <laughs> he's got a like, handful he's got of her, her hair wrapped up. He uh, there. 
don't come knocking on the danger room door later. They spend the rest of the flight so, together, sometimes touching, sometimes kissing, but mostly just taking it, talking with an ease they'd never known before. Their dialogue continuing even after Cyclops takes the Blackbird's controls to begin the descent of the X-Men's home slash school slash headquarters. Scott and Jean, so that sentence that they've talked with an ease they've never known before, Scott and Jean have known each other at this point for like seven or eight years. They have been together for about five of those years. So it's nuts to me that it's like, this is the most... Cyclops is... Cyclops is a strange dude. Um, I'm just going to say, this dude is not emotionally intelligent. He does not know how to talk about his feelings. No, because he was raped by fucking Charles Xavier. (laughs) Like, he doesn't... He has no clue how to, like, do this stuff. So, uh, there's an intruder alert at the mansion, and they're like, oh god, we gotta run in, and then it's just Xavier back from space. <laughs> Charles Xavier looks like somebody's grandmother here. <laughs> He's got the, like, leg blanket. <laughs> He's got this big warm sweater on. He looks so comfy. <laughs> he looks so peaceful. <laughs> he says, greetings, my X-Men. It is so very good to see you again. To know that you are all alive. Well. Charles tries to continue, but the words fail him. Over the years since he founded the X-Men, he has come to regard his young mutant charges. Both old team and new. More like his children than his students. Note, Wolverine is so much older than him. Charles is like 38 years old. Wolverine. Oh, my son. The 400-year-old Wolverine. <laughs> ah, my son. The man who predates, like, a lot of Western civilization. Uh, looking at them now, he realizes he is to be surrounded by those he except for his fucking wife. His wife, who he left in space. Um, we get a time skip. Yeah, for a few days, uh, we cut to Scott and Gene. Scott is walking around with that shit on. Uh, this is this is like a Sears catalog of clothing in 1980. Like, oh, looks. I was gonna say they look like. They're on the cover of, like, a college yes. advertisement <laughs> magazine. Come to Xavier. It's like, this is for, like, UMass. <laughs> but they're just walking underneath a tree that's, like, got some leaves falling. Scott's wearing, like, button-up, sweater, jacket, khakis. Jean's got on, like, this long purple skirt. The green cardigan. Or it's more like a turtle. She's wearing, like, a turtleneck. Yeah. Uh... They uh they get up, you know, into the house, and Scott's like, "Hey, I hear something behind this door," and Wolverine barges out of the danger room, fucking furious. The wham! Uh, <laughs> Cyclops goes, "He's up, Mister. What's yeah. going on in there?" I'm no kid anymore, Summers, and I'm flaming. I'm no flaming amateur. So where does Chrome Dome getting off treating me like one? You tell Xavier what I told you, Bub. Wolverine don't jump through hoops for nobody. Scott fucking face palms. Well, he's he's like, God damn it! I knew this was gonna happen. <laughs> hey, t- Chuck, can we talk, man? <laughs> it's important. In a moment, Scott. Xavier's Night. being a bitch. <laughs> he's so because he was getting big leaved in space. <laughs> he had to come home and fucking. 
exact his will. He literally, Scott comes in, he's like, Professor, can I talk to you? And he's like, in a minute, Scott, I'm busy. <laughs> Notify Wolverine that his childish outburst will cost him ten demerits. <laughs> uh, and Scott's go, Scott goes, hey, ten or ten thousand. Professor, I doubt they'll mean anything then. Wolverine's a grown man with years of experience and training in the use of his powers. The same is true for Storm, myself, Gene. The original X-Men were teenagers with no idea with how, with how to cope with their mutant abilities. We're not teenagers or beginners. You can't treat us like we are. I tried it that way and failed. <laughs> Charles goes, well, I am not you. No, sir, but you haven't had a lot of contact with the new X-Men since you formed the team. I've lived with them, worked with them, fought with them. First and foremost, we're individuals. We can't mesh into the same type, kind of team as the original X-Men because we're not the same kind of people. Give my bluntness, Scott, but that to me that betokens a le- failure of leadership on your part. This anarchy is a result of a failure to teach these mutants how to be a team. Scott's like, look, dude, I tried this whole fucking drill sergeant routine with them and it didn't work. And Charles is basically like, well, that's because Scott's like, bitch, Scott. literally. <laughs> and Scott's been leading this team for months by himself. Yes. And Xavier's just like popping in with. He's like the new fucking manager. He's just coming in, no context for the workplace. And he's just like, nah, my way's better. And Scott's trying to be like, hey, listen, man. And he's like, quiet. Charles Xavier uh, is moving like Paul Westhead. And that is a that reference means nothing to you. But to some people who listen to that, they'll know what it means. Paul Westhead was the, he was the assistant coach of the Lakers in, ironically, in 1980. Uh, yeah, the 79-80 season. When the actual head coach, Jack McKinney, had a horrible uh, bike accident and was fucked up for a while and eventually resigned, Westhead took over. They kept running McKinney's plays, and it worked. They won the championship that year. But the next year, Westhead's like, all right, we're going to do it my way. We're going to do it my way. It's the system. It's going to work. And Magic Johnson was like, yo, this shit sucks. (laughs) I'm not having fun. <laughs> so Cyclops is Magic Johnson. <laughs> Cyclops is Magic Johnson or Kareem, depending on your flavor here. But like Magic's like, this shit doesn't work. So we got to try something else. <laughs> so their argument thankfully gets interrupted uh, because Cerebro goes off. They got two new mutants, baby. The way that this, one in New York, one in Chicago. One, the way that this like map looks on the app, like when you read it through uh, Marvel Unlimited, it looks really weird because it's not. It feels like it's colored differently. Where it's like the green is clearly like in the version we're looking at here, it's the green is clearly like this is the land, these are the lakes, this is um, the Pacific or the Atlantic Ocean over here. But it looks like, for some reason, when I was looking at it on my iPad, it looked like they had just like fucked up and inverted the colors here. I'm like, I'm like, there's not this much ocean here. Why is the land colored like this? Uh, but he's like, yeah, we gotta go figure this shit out. Uh, unfortunately, the Hellfire Club have tapped Cerebro all the way back in issue 110. This is issue 129. This is a, a full 18 months ago. Yeah, there was, like, a random-ass issue where it was like, ooh, they're in the danger room, and it was, like, really boring, but, like, some guy tried to break in halfway through, and so they're being like, that was that. That, that was that plan was all along. Here's the thing. 
Claremont did shit like this so often that I'm like, you know, they, I completely believe that that was his plan the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he loved just, like, throwing a seed out and then never, not picking up on it for, like, two years and going, yeah, that's what that was. What? How did you? All right. Sure, man. Whatever. Uh, so, they split Scott's still up. a little bit salty about Xavier being mean to him, which is fair. Yeah. And Xavier's like, we're splitting the team up. You and Gene go to New York. Uh, I'm going to take the others to Chicago. Uh, and we are uh, Nightcrawler the- also goes with Scott. They don't yeah. say it here, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cut to the Hellfire Club so we can introduce a bunch of new characters. We don't see a lot of them. We just, like, they're like shadows and shapes. Um, but the one character who is seen and named here is the White Queen. Fully Emma Frost, call me! Emma Frost is so, so fetish geared out here. Chris she Claremont looks was- like. <laughs> looks like if you Googled, like, librarian fetish in 1980. <laughs> if you Googled both librarian and dominatrix. <laughs> like. <laughs> Chris Claremont has a lot of sexual under and overtones in his work. I don't think any single thing is a better distillation of that than the existence of Emma Frost, who is sort of all of his like psychosexual leanings given person. Right? She's got the mind control shit. She does a body swap a few issues from this. Uh, She is constantly wearing a cape, a corset, panties, and thigh-high boots. There's uh, actually a really interesting backup story a few issues before this. Um, A lot of the backup stories introduce some of these characters before they actually show up, just as kind of like a teaser. Um, So, like, in the classic backup stories, um, Shaw and Emma have, like, appeared before. But there's this really interesting issue where it's, like, Emma talking to one of the, like, other fetish gear ladies at the fire club. My, I, th- I think I know, like, I might have read that story. I think it's, is it Tessa she's talking to in that issue? I guess. Okay, because Tessa is Shaw's assistant. She's an interesting character in that um, Claremont clearly has an idea for her, but doesn't execute it until, like, 2001. <laughs> He's like, yeah, Tessa's pretty cool, right? And then it's like, by the way, she was Xavier's first student. This is Sage now. Uh, don't worry about it. They're kind of talking, and I guess Tessa is like, hey, don't you find this outfit kind of thing? And Emma's like, on you it is demeaning. On me it is my armor for the battle, for the great game of power. And then she like goes into like a room and plays chess with Shaw or something. But then, so it's like, you kind of have this thing where it's like, oh, they're just kind of, like, saying it's her choice, so her wearing the sexy stuff is totally fine, blah, blah, blah. But then Tessa kind of rounds it out with kind of watching Emma do this and being like, she thinks she's above everything, but she's as much a slave to the game as any of them. And it was just a really interesting, like, kind of first look at Emma's character, because I've been reading all the classic ones. One reading of Emma I've heard and I think is really interesting, which is that Emma 
wears what she wears. Like, she likes wearing, like, a provocative stuff because it's like, I'm fucking daring you. Try, try it. <laughs> I dare you. You cannot touch me. And if you do it, I'm going to melt your fucking brain. Try it. <laughs> uh, and it gives her, like, this sort of, like, in her, at least in her mind, like a sort of power over people where they're like, oh, shit, this, uh, I, uh, what do I do? Uh, 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 sexy you know, lady. This lady sexy makes my penis become the big penis. so the hellfire club wants to get the new mutant instead of the x-men so they're gonna go fucking get them first cut to chicago uh chicago the windy city yeah let's fucking go um chicago the windy city celebrated in verse by sandberg and song by sinatra home of the world's tallest building and so they say, best pizza. Three million plus people live in this sprawling, tough, passionate, old new metropolis. Our concern, however, is not with the city proper, but with one of its suburbs, specifically Deerfield, located roughly 25 miles northwest of the Loop, where on Central Avenue, this fine summer afternoon, Catherine Pride is heading home from dance class. She's 13 years old, going on 14 and her world is slowly falling apart. Yay, kitty! Woo! Say hello to the protagonist of the X-Men as a franchise for the next uh, 15 years. <laughs> I mean, did she ever stop? Uh, when She's basically the protagonist again now. Again now, but I think... So the idea is that you have this character, usually a young girl, who serves as the point of view character for the, for the stories. So, in the 80s, it's Kitty Pride. In the 90s, with Kitty moving to, over to Excalibur and just basically being in that book, it becomes Jubilee. In the 2000s, they kind of lose their footing with it and try to find it as a few different characters. And so, it moves around. They try Surge. Then they move. Armor. Surge, Armor, uh, X-23, and eventually Hope, who becomes the uh, the point of view character of the 2010s. Uh, and then it's Jean. <laughs> because the X-Men come back from the past. And so it's for a few years it's Jean. Um, oh yeah, past Jean. Uh, With her awesome jacket. The jacket is so good. And now it's kind of Kitty and also Ms. Marvel. <laughs> it's weird. But so, she is the protagonist of Claremont's X-Men ultimately. Kitty comes back home. Her parents are in the foyer with some mysterious blonde woman. You you weren't kidding. She does look like if you looked up librarian in 1980. Um, so this is Miss Frost. She represents a very good school in Massachusetts. If as if there were such a thing. Good. Massachusetts school mention. <laughs> good. Also, Massachusetts face is yeah. so like. She looks like such a kid. She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who the fuck is this? She's got her little star David necklace. Kitty said, I'm not going to fucking Boston. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, Kitty has been having headaches. Yeah. So her mom sends her to go lay down upstairs. 
Katie She's is like, I don't need her. aspirin, Mom. I need a new head. This one's about to bust wide open. Katie is walking around their home in her fucking dance shoes. Take your shoes off. You're in the house. White people. <laughs> she says, I guess my parents are real serious about splitting up. They're talking about sending me away to school. I told them I didn't want to go. I like it in Deerfield. All my friends are here, but what I want doesn't count. Why'd they dredge up that Miss Frost anyway? She looked at me like I was something good to eat. Ugh, she gives me the creeps. Give it a few years. Kitty is so fucking adorable. Like, she gets a little headache and she, she throws it on her bed and she goes, Please, God, I'm only 13 and a half. I can't be dying. <laughs> Kitty is so good. She looks like such, like, John Byrne really nails, like, drawing her as, like, this stringy teenager like her head's kind of too big <laughs> like she's got like a weird face like she looks like hey be nice huh i know nice. i say this lovingly she looks like a kid like a kid who is like going through puberty and it's like hey yeah you're, you're gonna look a little weird for a while but also can we point out um, Kitty's posters that are right next to her bed because it's Kermit and Kiss. (laughs) Any 13-year-old's like dream concert in 1980. Her room is iconic, by the way. This is like classic like TV character room. She's got a room out of a John Byrne not John Byrne. um, uh, John Hughes. John Hughes, yeah. I was gonna say John Carpenter, but that's not right. (laughs) Well, I mean, Laurie Strode's room is pretty cute. That's true. Yeah, so she's got, she's been having headaches for, like, weeks. It's like, her, she feels like her brain's gonna melt out of her ears. And then it just, like, stops. And she wakes up, and she's, she opens her eyes, and she's downstairs, and she's like, what the fuck? I was just upstairs. She's like, hey, what the uh, fuck? And then her parents come back in with Emma. And it's like, why are you on the floor? She's like, uh, 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 I was getting a glass of water. Okay, bye. And she runs back upstairs and she's like, I gotta do some homework. I, uh, yeah, she's like, I, uh, gotta do some homework. Uh, her dad goes, I don't know what's gotten into that girl, Miss Frost. I apologize for her behavior. You needn't, Mr. Pride. I understand perfectly. Kitty's at that awkward age. You'll have my, you have my school's brochures. I'll be in touch. So one thing I think the about slit Frost, on this skirt. Oh, this skirt is crazy. <laughs> it's like a. It's supposed to be like a super conservative, like school administrator outfit, but it's got a slit all the way up to the fucking panty line, right in the front on her left leg. She's just doing like it's like she was planning on doing a basic instinct here. I don't understand that reference either. You've you have seen the clip from Basic Instinct. You don't know it, but you've seen it. Where they're interrogating, the, there's a woman being interrogated. And she goes, she's like saying something, but she is sitting there with her legs crossed, uncrosses them. So there's like this like gratuitous fucking panty shot. And then recrosses them. And all the men in the room are like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, shit. <laughs> I've never seen a woman's crotch before. Like... It's like she was prepared to do that. Also, Kitty's dad is 
I, I would love to know if they named him first or if they drew him and then decided this guy's name has to be Carmen Pride because he looks like a Carmen Pride. <laughs> like he looks like he a looks man like who first Mr. Satan from Dragon Ball. He does. So as Emma's leaving, she passes um, Aurora, Piotr, Logan, and Xavier coming in to try and recruit Kitty. <laughs> They're all wearing their casual outfits. Logan is wearing like a three-piece suit and a cowboy hat. <laughs> it is the summer in Illinois. It is so fucking humid. Why is he wearing this? Did he uh, not have as any Emma other walks clothes? By, Logan's fucking staring at her ass and he goes, nice looking frail. Something about her scent raises the hackles on my neck. Wonder why. <laughs> Calling a woman the a frail. Nice looking I I almost would have liked to get called her a bird here. That would have made more like my brain better. Nice looking bird. Uh, also, apparently, it's not suspicious to the prides that multiple school principals are showing up and recruit as well. She has been like, like they called ahead. They were like, "Hey, you were looking for schools to send your daughter to." They had been calling around. Is my, I is my assumption. Because Kitty's like, wow, I told them I didn't want to go to another school. I don't want to leave Deerfield. Which implies to me that they have been calling around. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And so they've probably been meeting with people from schools and so aren't really that thrown off by them. So four of them come into the house. Kitty's like staring at them from the top of the stairs. She goes, these people are weird. That guy pushing the wheelchair is so huge. Kind of neat looking, too. <laughs> she looks at He's just a tall boy. <laughs> she looks at, uh, at Peter and is immediately, like, twirling her hair like, Hi, Peter. Listen, I know they date. It's weird that Colossus goes from, like, fucking cave women in the Savage Land. <laughs> and, to, like, to the point of impregnating them. And, and then he dates a 13 and a half year old. So, it's, I'm not a Colossus Kitty super. So here's here's the thing. I don't support that. The him fucking cave women thing was added later. <laughs> that didn't happen at first. And two, the second Colossus realizes, oh, I still like need to get like my dick touched, and it's weird to ask Kitty to do it. I'm out of here. Like breaks up with her, like. And the second he's not in her vicinity for two weeks, he's like, "Oh, this sucks." Actually, why am I doing? This? It's like I want to fuck this alien bitch. <laughs> Said. Anyway, um, there's um, a great scene. You'll get to it eventually. Where um, it's at, I think it's at Scott and Madeline's wedding, where Kitty is Kitty is involved in the wedding in some capacity. I don't remember what. But she looks back at Piotr, who is not looking at her. <laughs> like, she, like during the vows, it's this scene where everyone is sitting next to, like, they're sitting with other. Kitty looks over at Piotr, and Piotr looks away, because he's like, I'm gonna break up with her soon. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> so, like, Kitty's oh, mom... Man. Kitty's mom is like, hey, we gotta talk with uh, the professor. Since you seem better, how about you go to the malt, malt shop? shop. <laughs> 
Why is that squirts? Mop shop. <laughs> with suits. My treat. And so Kitty goes So with in a, a very 1980 move, they send their 13-year-old off with these, like, Total new adults and a 17-year-old. I assume that's how old Piotr's supposed Piotr's to be. Piotr's supposed to be, like, 17, like, 17, 18, has been my reading of it. Yeah. So. Because he does go on dates with adult women. And so, a real quick change, an eight-block walk, and a triple-scoop super-duper ice cream soda later, a kid from Middle America, African goddess, are well on the way to becoming fast friends. Meet your new mom, kitty. (laughs) And she's like, hey, you know, Aurora, we got black kids in my school. We got black it's kids in my school. It's such a 13-year-old thing to say, too. We got black kids in my school, but none of them look like you. You know, white hair and blue eyes. Yeah, because Len Wein was like, was it? no, no, Dave Cocker was like, we need to make an impossible person. We need a person that cannot exist. Uh, like, so as far as I know, Kitty, I'm one of a kind. And so are you. It's like, you mean because I'm so smart? Like, no, something else, Kitty. You ever heard of the X-Men? Also, if you look over her shoulder, Wolverine is reading Hustler in the background. <laughs> Piotr is standing literally like looking over the top of his head at the magazine and he looks so concerned. He's like, good god! Piotr would be like, what happened to these women? Where are their what happened to their clothes? They look cold. Uh, Are these women from the Savage Land? It also had cameras there. This next panel, I've, I've noticed this plenty of times. They really draw Aurora with, like, the cat. She looks like a cat. Like, irises. Mm-hmm. Like, her irises are always super, like, tall and skinny. I don't know. It's interesting. Which I think goes back to Dave Cockrum's original idea for her, which was that she would be, like, some manner of, like, cat burglar. Like, in an alternate universe. Oh, she universe, does have the burglar backstory. Mm-hmm. In an alternate universe, this is what Felicia Hardy looks like. I want you to just. Keep, just think about that. <laughs> so Kitty's like, oh yeah, I've heard of the X-Men. They're like superheroes. Wait a minute. X-Men? Are you the fucking X-Men? Yeah, dude. <laughs> you think that was- he asks for their autograph immediately. <laughs> because she is a child. <laughs> and Storm is like, oh, she's so like energetic and joyful. It reminds me of how I could when I was a kid. Instead of you know, being in the fucking Sudan. Being a uh, burglar in the Sudan to survive. And uh, <laughs> the owner of the malt shop comes and taps Wolverine on the shoulder and he's like, Hey, this is reading Penthouse. <laughs> yeah, Wolverine is just standing here looking at Penthouse. He says, You gotta buy the magazine, man. I don't like being tapped, bub. Or ordered around. Wolverine! There's like, no! Wolverine. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't like people paying... Pay- Read without paying. Want to make something out of it? I thought you'd never ask. Yeah, before Wolverine can beat cut up this. an elderly malt <laughs> shop owner. Scarash! Wolverine's gonna cut this guy like a fucking fish. Three of the fucking Red Rocket Brigade from DC Comics bust through the window. With huge phallic guns. Stop! They are. The fucking mushroom tip on this thing. So one of them has, like, a flame gun on his hand and shoots it at Colossus. So he he turns metal, but then, like, the... It's, like, heating him. Yeah. Damn, this is fucking hot, actually. 
Uh, Wolverine immediately busts claws out, tears off the suit he's been wearing. his suit off. To reveal his uniform under it, which means to, like, I read that as Wolverine has had to been sweating like a fucking hog all day. Wearing the costume underneath all those clothes? I'd throw up. Humid Chicago summer. He goes to slash that guy, but, like, his claws don't work. He goes to slash a different guy. And he's like, oh, he's got some kind of force field. And then he gets, like, bumped into the table that Kitty's at. And she, like, gets flown backward, but flies through the wall. And directly into a backup story. (laughs) Yes. Uh, That kick sends her a lot further than she'd anticipated. You're back inside the malt shop. Storm fights this. Storm is fighting this guy. Uh, and with her lightning bolts, affects the dude's force field. They finish the guys off. Colossus hammer fists this dude in the back of the head like it's UFC 2. Pleasant dreams, Tovarish. Pang! They we did have- the classic thing where it was like, oh, each of them had a counter. One of their specific powers. They have to switch enemies, like in Power Rangers. Yes. We have done well, my friends. I think even Professor Xavier would have appreciated our skill in this battle. Wolverine's Ah. sitting up on the counter so he can maintain, like, eye line with Aurora and Piotr. He's also putting his hood on, which he was fighting without it before. Um, Uh, They are interrupted by a powerful telepathic assault uh, by Emma Frost. Again, cape, no pants. Emma Frost takes them out instantly, which makes you wonder what was even the point of sending these guys. I guess it is to to distract them and get them to drop their mental defenses. I guess. She has her fucking goon squad collect the knocked out X-Men. I love the look of the Hellfire goons. I don't know what it is about their look, but they're like better putties. They look like old-school chameleon. Yes, I think that's what it is. They've got that face mask. Yeah, so they load them on board a hovercraft, because of course they have a hovercraft. And then um, Emma's like, let's go. And then one of the goons is like, yes ma'am, but what about our three armored units? We left them inside and... Oh, don't worry about them. Oh, don't worry about them. Click. (laughs) <laughs> and they just explode. She's like, we have ways of dealing with failures. I like that all of like her goons have names, and that she knows them. She can identify readily that that is Cutler. Later, they're all dressed identically, but she's well, she can psychic read them too. Yeah, like later, there's one named Sal, and all the other guys know that that is Sal. <laughs> yeah, so she's like justifying that she blew up the goons um, and the craft is like flying through Chicago and they're just stripping the X-Men <laughs> strip them nude so search, the, search their uniforms and their persons carefully remove anything that might be used as a weapon or a signaling device take special care with Storm we know about the lockpicks in her headdress make sure she hasn't any other surprises I'll keep them telepathically sedated until we reach the lab what about the girl? The pride kid. 
She escaped in the confusion. The X-Men were always our primary target. Now that we have them, she'll keep. When we want her, we'll know where to find her. Actually, to find Kitty, all the White Queen needs to do is turn around. Because uh, because Kitty has walked into the Alvergraph without them noticing. I already fucking champion Kitty Pride. Already jumping into danger. Just the uh, right to it. Uh, do you want to talk the, about the backup story? The, uh, just a little bit. It's just like Kitty's out in the alleyway, and she has like a weird hallucination, like these weird like monster things, and like a monster Emma, and then a uh, storm like appears in the vision, and it bolsters her resolve to like go after the X Men, and she kind of realizes how to work her power. It's just kind of filling in like that little off-screen part. Yeah, what was Kitty doing in the meantime? And the next issue sees the debut of the Dazzler! A fucking icon. Dazzler is so cool when she probably shouldn't be. Just because of, like, the chaos that caused her to exist and then not make any sense. Like, she's supposed to be, she's based off of, like, Donna Sumner. Like, she's, like, supposed to be, like, a disco queen. But it's 1980. Disco is fucking dead. <laughs> uh... So, Scott and Jean, Nightcrawler, are in Manhattan. They're like, well, we're going to this club. And we see that the Hellfire Club are already, like, monitoring them. By the way, the, um, the car they pull up, and they pull up in Charles's Rolls Royce, which is... <laughs> to a fucking CD disco club. Crazy flex. The uh, license plate is Chaz X1. <laughs> Because Charles Xavier, of course, has a fucking vanity plate. Yeah, Nightcrawler's not allowed to go into the disco. <laughs> They'll notice So him. Scott and Jean go in, and, uh... Yeah, Scott and Jean head in, and Scott's like, God damn, this place fucking stinks! <laughs> Says, what a stench! I'll bet this place hasn't been cleaned since it was built says, do you know what we're looking for? Nope. Our mutant could be any, could be male or female, young or old. We haven't seen a clue to, like, their abilities. I'm sure that it's a person and very powerful and they're somewhere in here. Tell me, Gene, is this where old discos go to die? So, uh, Scott has, like, a he has some kind of micro-cerebro in his watch. Which and he's like, alright, if, if I get close to the mutant, this'll beep. And Gene, just, like, scan people, I guess. Yeah, use your psi powers, or whatever. I don't know how that shit works. Gene says. And Gene's like, scan the crowd with your psi powers. Easier said than done, Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's like, maybe, maybe, maybe. I can't screen out everyone's thoughts. Some of them are so vile. But I can handle that. Part of me also almost finds those thoughts attractive. Gene is just like, wow, these people are talking about fucking raw and nasty. I'm into that. I'm here for that, brother. I'm learning about new kings. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott, have you ever heard of Peggy? Some Hellfire some Club goons are in a fake delivery truck. They're like, we're ready to go, Mr. Shaw. We can hit him anytime. And Mr. Shaw's like, 
Excellent. Excellent, Rudy. <laughs> the Hellfire Club the is Hellfire proud Club of you. The Hellfire Club is proud of you. So here's the thing about Sebastian Shaw. Can, can you just guess where Sebastian Shaw is from? Like, where Sebastian Shaw grew up? I don't know. England? Uh, let me double check this to make sure that I am correct about this, because I'm pretty confident that the answer to that is much funnier. Yeah, okay. Yep, I've just double-checked. Sebastian Shaw is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> steel man! Sebastian Shaw probably sounds like Pat McAfee. <laughs> so, uh, we cut to Jason Wingard, Scum of the Earth, Fire Club. And, uh, he's hanging out in the secret. Lounge this coat he's wearing circle. does look so fucking warm. I'm sorry, that coat looks warm as shit. And we get our official introduction to Sebastian Shaw, who the first thing he says is, I didn't build a billion dollar empire from nothing by making mistakes, Wingard. So great, he's a fucking... <laughs> Sebastian he couldn't Shaw's just be an evil mutant, he had to be a bootstraps guy. Oh, Sebastian Shaw is like a hyper-capitalist. He is sort of the, like, mutant capitalist. Uh, he has been backing uh, Sentinels so that, he can, so that they all work for him, and also has it set up so they don't detect him as a mutant. He's, he's the fucking worst. Uh, so, Wingard's just kind of, like, reaffirming that he's, like, mind-whammying Gene... And Shaw's like, all right, I'll get the other ones. Just fucking work on Gene, okay? And then Emma and calls. Then she's got the X-Men in undies in cages. So, okay, here's the thing. That, what Storm is wearing just looks like her costume. It looks like they took her cape off. It is. And her headdress. And her boots. And her boots. These are presumably Colossus's skivvies. Like, his actual... Twitter's in his giant briefs. <laughs> Wolverine, it looks like at first they drew him naked here, and then it's almost like, hey, you need He can't to be it. nude. He cannot be nude. You have to, we gotta draw some black here. Just, just show Kitty's about to come in the room. Wolverine's hog cannot be out. <laughs> Again, Charles strapped so, to a table. Yeah, Emma's like, I fucking got them all. Don't even worry about it. And he's like, what about the, the new mutant? And she's like, well, she got away, but don't worry about it. I'll get her. I can, I, I'll get her in the Massachusetts Academy. Said, I think I can persuade her father to enroll her in my Massachusetts Academy. After all, it is one of the most prestigious private schools in the country. I'm going to... See, the thing is about Emma, is it's like, do you think that she's going to use her psychic powers, or do you think she's going to show him her ass? <laughs> I was going to say, interesting note, that Emma... Did not just immediately mind whammy uh-huh. Karen. <laughs> that's that's a surprise tool that will help us later. So Kitty sneaks into the room where they have all the they have the X Men tied up. She just walks through the wall. She's like, "Whoop!" I walk through the wall. All right, I'm here. What do I do now? And then we get a recap of what happened. And she walks over to last a issue. Yeah. Remember, this is the this is 1980. There is no internet. Uh, 
We got to waste a page every issue telling you what happened in the last issue in case you did not pick up last issue and you were grabbing this off a newsstand at the convenience store. Uh, Kitty sneaks over to Storm and she's like, Psst, it's me, Kitty. It's me, Kitty Pride. Huh? Uh, the cages have some kind of like electro inhibitor thing. Yeah, it's like, like a thing. Hey! It's Kitty. It's like, uh, it's so hard to think. And then one of uh, one of Emma's goons looks over and is like, "Hey, it's a kid." <laughs> she gives. Aurora is like, "Oh, by the way, I had another lockpick." She's like, "Oh, they took my lockpick, lockpicks, but they missed the tag that is wo- uh, woven into the fabric of my costume. It has the number to the. Uh, <laughs> it has a phone. Oh, number that's right. That's right. Call it. Uh, so Kitty leaves, dives through the floor where they can't get her." Uh, Emma calls her goons cretins. Uh, back at the disco, Jean is like walking around. She's she like, gets... I can't. Good. I just uh, saw Jason Wingard again, and I was like, "Fuck this guy." <laughs> Jean walks through, and she's like, "Damn, I can't find shit." It's also established here. Jean is like twenty-four at the oldest. Someone called her dress tacky, which I mean. Kind of. I can see why you would say that. <laughs> so she's wearing a yellow dress, like a bright yellow dress under a green cardigan. It's kind of a lot. She looks like she's going to a fucking Packers game. She's what is? Jason Wingard physically shows up in the club and is like, "Hey, Gene," and then she gets mind whammied into a fucking <laughs> wedding with hey, Jason Wingard. <laughs> And fucking Sebastian Shaw is the fucking the priest, the looking like a to- looking like a douchebag. These guys look like this is a nightmare blunt rotation. Yeah, so she ends up going through the wedding like in her vision. She's like, oh. and oh, Jason, yes, I will marry you. Uh. And then he takes off the veil and the, uh, like, a dress they put on her to reveal Jean Grey, the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club. She is wearing the same thing Emma was wearing, but with a little rose clasp on the the cape, uh, much shorter boots, and a whip. Her hair is also in the librarian style. Chris Even Claremont. more than Emma's. So you know the thing that's like, this is the writer's barely disguised fetish. Nobody was <laughs> disguising their fetishes worse than Chris Claremont. Because he wasn't disguising so, hey. them. He was just like, what can I get away with without Jim Shooter getting super pissed at me? The way Shaw is staring at them kissing in this next panel is so funny. It's like, <laughs> And then in the, next, in the panel under it, he turns it, it's actually Scott standing there going, what the fuck? So they're, like, kissing in the wedding vision, and then it cuts back to modern day, and she's, like, kissing actual Jason Wingard. She's like, what the fuck? And Scott's like, what the fuck? Scott thinks he is now living in the Mr. Brightside video? Here's the thing. Due to the sliding time scale, <laughs> this happened in a time now where that song is out. 
And Scott goes to the car and sits there and is like, and she's touching his chest now. He's off her chest now. Let me go. Gina's like, Scott, let me explain. But she's like, but how do I explain? I don't even know what happened. I was daydreaming. And then Scott's like, Scott's like, I've never seen her act like that. It was as if she wasn't Gina at all. Only someone who looked like her. And then the announcer announces, Ladies and and gentlemen, gentlemen, here's the honey you all been waiting for, Dazzler! And the legend, Dazzler comes out in her fucking... She's got this shit so on. She's got disco ball heels. She is wearing a disco ball as a necklace. (laughs) Disco ball bracelets. Silver star, like a onesie. Her hair is and like the her hair has never been huger. This is the biggest hair possible on a human being. Allison Blair, fifty percent hair. She has she is the biggest contributor to the whole the ozone layer. All the hairspray she had to put in this shit. And Scott turns around and he goes, "Wow, I don't know zilch about disco, but this lady's good." I mean, listen, you think Scott Summers ever once put on a disco record like ever? No, this dude was listening to fucking Bruce Springsteen. Scott is a white man from Alaska. This dude, <laughs> this dude was listening to his so, grandpa's fucking Beatles records. They find out Dazzler is the the mutant, and then Nightcrawler's chilling in the rolls. The phone rings, and he's like, "Let me just climb into the car upside down like a fun little guy." We weren't expecting any also, calls. Wonder who it could be. Probably Professor X checking up on us. Boy, was he mad when I told him I was no longer using my image inducer. God or fate or dumb luck made me what I am, and I won't hide anymore. Not even for the X-Men. Charles Xavier continuing his streak of being the worst. Charles Xavier. It's like, hey, Nightcrawler, you have to use a hologram machine to hide what you look like for the, you know, comfort of others. To be fair, he does look like the devil. So, it's the principle of the thing. <laughs> it's the principle of not getting Xavier jumped Xavier is street. a little bitch boy. That's true. I'm like, so hey, yo, Kitty, for your safety, so you don't get fucking ankle-picked and arrested. So, Kitty calls a Nightcrawler. She's like, hello, is this the X-Men? I'm Kitty Pride. Aurora told me to call this number. She's been captured. Please, rescue them. Help me. And then Kurt's like, Hold on, where are you? Who is who captured them? And, and then uh, another the armored guy comes up, rips the door off the fucking rolls. He says, don't fucking worry about it. Charles can afford to replace it. Can he? What income does Charles Xavier have? He's a professor Being in name rich. only. He just has infinite generational wealth. His dad was, like, a fucking doctor, so, like, sure. Um, and so he realizes, oh, so, uh, some shit's going on. This must be a two-pronged attack to zap the team in Chicago and then another to take us. I better go warn Scott and Gene. If this one's out here after me, there are probably other ones like him. And the 
dude's like, teleporting won't save you, Nightcrawler, and fires a sonic beam at him to make it hard for him to concentrate so he can't teleport away. Meanwhile... And also, the armor guy can walk up the wall. (laughs) Not necessary, but okay. It's so ominous. (laughs) Meanwhile, Gene's trying to talk to Scott. Uh, He's like, hey, I'd like... I need to talk to you. Yeah, but we're away from this, okay, Gene? Somewhere peaceful. Private. We'll leave after the set, after we've introduced ourselves to Dazzler. Uh, The dudes then bust in through the ceiling. Like Scanner Marks yeah, 3 mutants, the one on stage, the two in the crowd. Disco. Yeah. Uh, Gene puts them in their costumes, and he's like, whoa, that was crazy. That was really powerful for her to change our costume. I mean, to Scott, it's gotta then, feel real weird, because like, oh shit, I'm suddenly wearing my visor. He, he does say, um, if there isn't a limit to Phoenix's power, I wonder how much longer Gene could keep it under control. Very poorly disguised foreshadowing. Yeah. This is not going to off balance, Phoenix. Let's clobber these clones as fast as possible to avoid pro- panicking the people in here. Too late, Scott. These dudes came through the ceiling, man. Uh, they hit Gene with some kind of energy trap. And yeah. then the other one shoots a glob of ruby quartz goo onto Cyclops' face. I hate that sentence. That's uh, what it is! He uh, says it's glop. This glop. Dazzler goes, these fucking Starship Troopers ripoffs are after me. I should hotfoot it out of here, but at the moment, I'm too darn mad. Chuckles, I had one dynamite debut go until you jokers crashed the gate. Now it's ruined. Here's Huh? <laughs> and for that sucker, you gonna pay. See here so here's the other thing, is that Dazzler was supposed to be black. Um I know that everyone has heard this story by now, but Dazzler I ha- so- I have not. Okay, so Dazzler was supposed to be black. Um and then what happened, I believe they wanted to option the move option the character for movie rights or a TV show, and then because of the actor that the studio, like the movie studio, wanted to cast for it, uh, they had to change the way she looked. And so, as a result, Dazzler is white. Wow. But she still talks like this because Dazzler was supposed to be a black girl. It's really rough. Matter of fact, let me. Okay, it was supposed to be Bo Derek. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, Tom DeFalco wanted to... Tom DeFalco, John Romita Jr., and Roger Stern had a lot to do with it. She was originally conceived as a joint venture between Marvel and Casablanca Records. Marvel was going to publish the comic, and Casablanca was going to put out an album and a movie starring Bo Derek. Marvel released the comic, but Casablanca removed itself from the project, and the album movie never saw the plot. So she's supposed to be she's supposed to be based off of like Grace Jones originally, and then the record company wanted Bo Derek, so they changed her more like Bo Derek. Crazy. Can you imagine if there had been a nineteen eighty Dazzler movie? It would have been a total pile of shit, and I would have loved it. It's like the old Fantastic Four so movie she... nobody ever talks about that would rule that I'm sure is hilarious and how bad it is. She, like, 
don't ask me to justify how this works. She makes a bunch of lights burst around this guy's eye, and it shuts down his brain. Because Dazzler's power is turning sound into light. Yeah, she sensory overloads one of the armor guys, and he fucking... What if this it, dude had been, like, epileptic? His brain breaks. <laughs> what if she doesn't care. <laughs> she just said this dude in an epileptic shock, and he just fucking died right there on the floor. Oh, she does say, oh, he's catatonic. I didn't mean to dazzle him so hard. I've never used my powers to hurt anyone before. I didn't know. And then one of the armor guys is like, the computer didn't lie, babe. You are powerful. And he's got, like, a flamethrower ready. Uh, he tries to shoot so, Dazzler, she, like, cartwheels over it. Yeah, and then that allows Jean, like, because she scrambled the other dude, it allowed Jean to use her powers again. Scott hits these dudes with the meanest one-two, like, he plants his foot, turns, pivots to blast both of them too quick for them to react. Nightcrawler uh, the third guy falls busts in, with, the in guy. with Nightcrawler. Yeah. And Jean just, like, rips his armor into pieces. They tell Dazzle, uh, hey, by the way, you're a mutant. Uh, don't worry about it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Cyclops says, how do you feel, Nightcrawler? And he says, black and blue all over, but I'm that anyway. Things are worse than you think, Cyclops. The X-Men in Chicago have also been attacked. And they and Professor X have been captured. So he yeah, fills They in. recap. They tell Dazzler she's a mutant. And he's like, you better come with us. And she does. So as they go to leave, uh, they're like, hey, the there's some fucking explosions. Uh, the people attacking us, just their brains just cut out. Scott's like, I was going to have the gene telepathically interrogate them. I guess their masters could wanted to make sure I could. Nice people. They seem to know an awful lot about the X-Men. Too much. But how? Who are we up against? What are they after? And then as they drive past, Nightcrawler goes, Cyclops, a man, waiting at the corner. It's the man she kissed in the disco. Is he part of the puzzle, too? Or simply my rival for Jean's affections? First, I can deal with him. The second, I'm not sure, sure. Either way, I don't like him. The world's headlights touch Jason Wingard for a moment, throwing his shadow upon the wall behind him. Cyclops automatically notes the but his mind, preoccupied with a host of far more pressing concerns, doesn't register. Perhaps one day he will remember and recognize if he passes. By then, however, it may well be far too late. For him, for the X-Men, most importantly, are the women he loves. It's Cyclops, Phoenix, Nightcrawler, and Dazzle the Rescue. But will they reach Chicago in time to save Kitty Pryde? Find out, and run for your life! What you're supposed to notice there is that the shadow does not match Jason Wingard, but I did not fucking notice. That. Yes, it's a. It's, even now, it's kind of questionable. <laughs> it's almost too subtle for its own good. Because then, when they show like his real face later, it's like, oh yeah, that is what that was. But it's, it's um, too quick. The backup story for this issue is really interesting. It's like 
it's let's see what Moira and Sean are over on Weir Island. And Moira's basically really depressed because her son died, and she basically like pulls out this paper on cloning, and she's like, I'm gonna bring him back. And she's like pushing Sean away, and Sean's trying to like support her, and she's like, get out of here, Sean. They're just having like a little communication breakdown, but then um Sean like breaks into her lab and is like, listen, we're gonna talk about this like adults, and then they do, and then she doesn't clone Proteus. But she's basically like, oh, I could give him another chance, not tainted by like the evilness of like my husband. And Sean's like, that's crazy, don't do that. And then she doesn't, and she destroys his body. Proteus is an interesting character in that they keep trying, they tried for years, like, how do we make Proteus fucking work? And they figured it out now, but it was a long time of like, hey, we can bring back Proteus. It's like, and do what? Do the same thing we already did with Proteus? So in so issue, next one, issue 31, a run for your life, uh, there's a quick recap of like, hey, what's going on, Kitty? Kitty, it thought a very ragged Kitty Pride. Yeah, looks like she's been through hell and back. She's like in the in the last few hours, she's discovered reservoirs of strength within herself she never knew existed. She's tapped them, but she's only thirteen and a half. She can't keep up this pace forever. She slips, busts her ass because she's been running for these dudes all night in fucking flip flops. And then Phoenix shows up absolutely crushes the car. Like, in in the dust. It's like they hit a wall. And then, between Phoenix and Nightcrawler suddenly appearing, Kitty is even more freaked out. That woman just waved her arms and that car stopped like it hit a brick wall. What am I gonna do now? Oh lord, I'm just so scared. I'm trying to do what's right, but ah! And Nightcrawler's like... Just appears in a dark alley, like, don't look, be frightened, I'm gonna grab you and run up the wall. Kurt, you look like Satan. You can't do this. <laughs> Just don't be frightened by, by my teleporting leapship. I'm one of the good guys. We spoke on the phone. Let's be off, shall we? And Jean says, Did she I, kill those guys? It's unclear. <laughs> okay. I don't yeah, think she's she does. Just like standing over the wreck, like I'll trust you'll think twice about hounding mutants. <laughs> Scott, sure. Scott is so off put off by this. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Jean? Like you didn't feel how scared she was, or the thoughts of the killers chasing her. These animals got no more than serve. And Scott's like, I thought I'd seen Jean in every conceivable mood, but this is new. He's like, I've seen Jean mad. I've seen Jane mad as shit. This is something else. I don't know what the fuck this is. Yeah, Blackcrawler calls him up to the roof, they fly up to the roof, and he's like, oh, Kitty ran away. I do want to point um, out, I like the way that uh, Jean's hair looks in this panel where she's looking, where Scott's talking to her. Um, the light, oh, her hair looks amazing. She's like standing under a streetlight or something. The light on her hair makes it look more like her, make more look like it's on fire. Looks great. Which isn't the effect, like, Rachel, her daughter, from another timeline, <laughs> her hair will literally be on fire sometimes, like, when she's Phoenix. 
but they do this to cast in a like to cast the image of it being on fire. Which is a good touch. Scott says Gene is the most normal looking of the group. Which is true. Very funny when Dazzler is also there. Gene, but Gene can also change. I know, I'm just, it's just funny. Yeah, she changes into normal clothes and she finds Kitty and she's like, hey, what's a nice kid like you doing in a place like And then she tells her she's an X-Men and Kitty's like, oh, thank God. Uh, and just like cries in her arms. This is how Snoop Dogg looked after he heard not guilty. Uh, and so they go to the the hovercraft. And so Dazzle's like, "This is fucking crazy, dude." Uh, I've been I started that out last night to break into the New York disco scene, and now I'm fighting with the X Men. Kurt is upset because he doesn't think he likes. He's like, I don't think the little Fraulein likes me. Uh, Scott's giving her some bandages. Good boy. And Kitty's telling them what happened. Um, And Jean mind whammies one of the goons. Oh, so they're not dead. They're right there. Yeah, they're not dead. She reads this dude's mind. She finds out about Emma Frost. She finds out about the Hellfire Club. Um, which pings for her because that's what she's been seeing in the the past visions with Jason Wingard. Yeah, she's like, wait, I-, I found myself living the life of an ancestor who's married to a member of that club, a man named Jason Wingard. But recently I've met a modern day Jason Wingard who's a dead ringer for my ancestor's husband. What does it all mean? Is it coincidence? And Scott's like, hey, are you good? <laughs> she's like, oh, uh, I'm fine. I have the information. <laughs> I love that. I also to think she was standing there for like a minute. And Scott's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> I think it's probably also important to note that the Hellfire Club within this universe is just like a normal gentleman's club. It's like a socialite. It's a social club. Yeah, so it's just uh, like where rich people go to hang out. So then, this like inner circle of like mutant supervillain is like a separate thing. Yes, they're like the, they're. Uh, the Lord, the Lord Cardinal, I think. I think they call themselves the Inner Circle of the Hellfire Club. Uh, so they go to Frost Enterprises. Frost Enterprises, a thing that is not brought up very much anymore. Um, they so they're all playing possum in the backseat of the car, and Gene is like puppeting one of the goons to like drive them in. Yeah, like, hey, here comes Sal. I wonder if they found the kid. Paid her, my man. That little brat got away, but what I figure, what I figure, what I got will more make up for the loss. Yikes, man. How'd you do it, Sally? I'll tell you later. I'll know over a brook. Right now, all I want to do is get these newbies on the lock and key. Emma goes, hey, and Emma's that? like, that's really suspicious how they <laughs> caught the X Men. <laughs> Emma's like, that doesn't track at all. Sal's dudes were losers. Sal's not that good. But she's like, <laughs> Whatever, I gotta get back to torturing Storm, like Raiden in Metal Gear Solid 2. I've got Storm on a fucking St. Andrew's cross, so I'm gonna deal with that. Again, because Chris Claremont is not even trying to hide. He was in these clubs. Chris Claremont was going to, to like, sex clubs. That's the only thing I can think of, because he was like, yeah, what if she's strung up on a big axe? 
they gave Kitty like uh like a leftover Fantastic Four costume, I guess. <laughs> it's and it's so really cute. Kitty sneaks back into the room with the cages, and she finds out that when she phases through something electronic, she can like scramble it. This is so her most f- useful power. <laughs> so she pops Wolverine free. Um, who is very hairy. Yeah, Wolverine could not be hairier here. This is here's the thing. I know this woke something up in somebody. There's it just did. Wolverine is always like barely clothed and super hairy. Somebody somebody somewhere between 1980 and now has looked at this and went hmm. <laughs> and didn't give a lot more of thought pe- that- let's be real a lot of people a lot of people but they didn't give it more thought than that this one huh <laughs> kitty does say criminy wolverine's not that much taller than me but he weighs a ton <laughs> wolverine is five foot three and a half or some shit yeah, so kitty gets zrapped from off screen and it's one of the goons with like a stun laser so Kitty like passes out and Wolverine's like sucker you just made the biggest mistake of your life and the last Uh, while that's going on the X-Men pull up to the front of the building and then they let they just cut. Cyclops me. explodes the roof of the car with his lasers. Scott opens his visor. It says, "Like a." Uh, <laughs> it just Fuck opens this car. It says, "Cool, we only broke this car once today. Fuck it." Blasts into the sky and destroys the roof. Uh, <laughs> Dazzle just out. like get dazzled. <laughs> Dazzle pops out and says, "You ain't no diva." <laughs> And, and Dazzler jumps out of the car. She's got her fucking heelys clipped onto her boots. She has like roller skates that she can say, clip onto the I bottom love of her heels. Dazzler's, Dazzler's roller skating being a consistent thing because she does uh, in um we talked about in the Exterminators episode that issue opens like that story opens with Dazzler roller skating through a sea of dead vampires. This bitch loves She's to so roller cool. skate. She's the fucking disco queen. It's fucking 43 years later, and she's cool again. The, the, the cool thing about the sliding time scale is that Dazzler now, like, because everything gets slid up, probably wasn't, like, you know, doing disco. She's probably, like, Britney Spears. No, it was like a, it was like a 2013 disco revival <laughs> is what she was doing when they found her. She was probably like, it was like right after the 2010 swing revival. That's not a real thing. That 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 happened that localized to like corners of the internet. People were not. No one was buying tickets to see a swing band. They were taking swing dancing classes. That's sure. fucked up. I don't. Anyway, they all run into the. That building. sounds like something that the whites were doing. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Scott is still talking about how he's like unnerved by Gene's a power level. Yeah. He's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this bitch is so scary. 
I should be but proud of her, but I'm so scared. My, I don't know what I'm doing. They are fucking up these goons, and then one of the goons in the room with Emma goes, What? The alert siren! We're under attack! It's the X-Men! And Emma goes, Obviously, you fool! Duh! The thing about Emma is that <laughs> she's always- else? Emma is always trying really hard to hide a Boston accent. <laughs> like, just to read anything Emma Frost says, and then remember that this woman is from Massachusetts. She's trying so hard to not sound like this. Go give me some fucking Duncan, okay? <laughs> so she sends all of her goons after the X-Men, uh, but then she's still, like, mind-whammying Storm, and she's like, I'm still gonna fuck you up, Storm. They're not gonna get here in time. And then Jean just appears in the next cut and is like, is that so? She says, excuse me, bitch. <laughs> she says, you're... Phoenix, the one and only, and you're Emma Frost, the Hellfire Club's White Queen. I understand you call yourself something of a telepath. Well, your majesty, let's see how good you really are. Jean is so scary in this battle. She's got her scary face. Jean is terrifying in this battle. And speaking of the goons knowing each other's names, we cut back to Cyclops and Dazzler fighting them, and... One of them's like, Mancusi, call for reinforcements! And then the other one's like, Skipper, I only marked two X-Men, where's the one with the tail? Right, I'm right behind you, my dear. Bang! 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 <laughs> he teleports and punches- <laughs> Yeah, punches all of them. In the back of the head! You're gonna get these use concussions, Kurt! That's super not good for you. And he goes, ooh, that's very hot on my knuckles. Yeah, because you punched them super hard in the head. Yeah, Colossus and Wolverine show up. They've got Kitty. Colossus is wearing different drawers now. He said, I had to put my red ones on. For Mother Russia. I'm, it's this panel where he turns metal. The way they've defined his booty cheek inside the <laughs> briefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kitty says she's fine. It was just like a stun bolt. Yeah, because the dude shoots at uh shoots her uh, shoots at her again here and is like, enjoy it while it lasts, Chicky. In a couple of seconds, you and your buddies won't be feeling anything at all. And Colossus turns to And then Colossus is like, I'm Colossus. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> it crushes him. I don't know if you heard this, but motherfucker, I'm Colossus. He says crushes this man into paste. Yeah, the guy uh, shoots, he says, this man is mine. His famous last words, freak, this baby packs the firepower of a full rifle company. If your weapon had the power of an army, it would still do you no good against one who can turn to solid steel. And he says, and Colossus is like, oh, I lost my temper. Jeez. And everyone's like, so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, we and he's like, you, wait, babe. why is Kitty staring at me? And Kitty's like looking like three feet up at him like, wow, Peter, you saved us all. That was neat. It was. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Yeah, so Kit apparently Kitty Professor is a, X just like dipped. Yeah. Kitty is a 13 year old girl. Who I feel like if you were a 13 year old girl in any era, you would have looked at like, wow, he's so tall. 
<laughs> and he's so cool. Like that's they, fair. Like Kenny being super in love with Colossus makes perfect sense. It it tracks a hundred percent because of course you would. Colossus is like, uh, sure, cool, I will be boyfriend, and then it's like, hmm, it would be very weird if I had sex with Kitty. I don't want to do that. Stop bringing it up. I will not. <laughs> so Professor X dipped apparently, and Wolverine's like, we gotta go get Storm, and then we cut to. Gene going full Phoenix mode with the full, like, Phoenix there. Just, like, crushing the fuck out of Emma. The storm is like, good god. Oh my god. It says, uh, Scott's like, oh, I hope Gene hasn't run into trouble. The narrator, trouble? Not quite. At first, both women seemed evenly matched, but as the battle progressed, it became evident that Phoenix was merely taking the White Queen's measure. Now that she's learned her foe's strengths and weaknesses, Phoenix begins to attack in earnest. It's an attack which the helpless Storm can only watch in awe and fear. Jean is like, oh, the Phoenix is so beautiful, yet so terrible like Jean herself. I've only seen her like this once before, in the heart of the McCrystal. And that's like a thing that happened earlier, where she like, knitted the entire universe back together. Yeah, she's like, uh, this is, this is crazy. Uh, I've never seen no shit like this. Jean then, uh, completely demolishes the, this wing of the building. Uh, says, uh, her power is a song beyond human comprehension. She is more alive than she has ever been as she smashes through the white like a fences contemptuous ease. And yet, she knows this is nothing compared to what she felt within the great Macrad crystal. Actually, Emma destroys the building. Yeah. She tries to, like, pull all her energy together for, like, one last attack, and it, like, fucks up the building. And, and they're Jean like, oh my god! It doesn't- the building exploded, and they're like, oh no, Jean! Jean! And it's just like, no, I'm good, I got Storm. Storm, who is- that is, again, just Jade Cargill. I know I say it every time, but that's just Jade Cargill. And then so Professor X appears, and he's like, I was watching. Because <laughs> yeah. he's a scumbag. He's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm over here. Uh, they go back to Deerfield to drop Kitty off. I like this match cut, because they're all standing in the same places, but then it cuts to them in Deerfield, and they have different outfits. Yeah. Cyclops is, a lo- is drawn a lot more, like, relaxed here. Nightcrawler sitting down in the, the lower panel. Uh, and uh, Professor X goes, "Hey, Dazzler, you want to? Eh? You know, eh? Eh? <laughs> And she's like, "Nah, man, I'm good. Uh, I'm gonna keep keep performing. I'll see you around." Uh, and she gets in her luxurious tour bus and leaves. Uh, well, actually, I'd say that it's a rental van that they were all driving at. Nightcrawler's taking her back to the airport. Uh. Uh, Kitty's parents come out and are justifiably really mad and he's like yelling at Professor X because Kitty's been gone for like a day just with no notice the mall shop was burned to the ground we thought she fucking died and Kitty's like I'm good I'm fine and Jean and gets a- off to the side Jean goes enough's enough and her <laughs> eyes have like an energy field and does like a Jedi mind trick thing and <laughs> 
Kitty's dad is like, I don't know what your game is, Mr. Butt. It's good to see you again. My wife and I were very impressed by your presentation yesterday. In fact, we've been discussing you and your school for gifted youngsters quite a lot since you left. Ah, uh, that's, uh, like, the professor is, like, surprised. What the fuck? <laughs> this dude was super yeah, pissed at me. And I was Scott's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> the, like, the thing about this scene, too, is that Professor X is completely content to let Carmen yell at him. He's like, no, yeah, we, that's our bad. Um, I, I'm sure you'll understand when I explain it, but, like, yeah, let it out. You're furious. I got it. <laughs> and when he stops and- yelling, Charles is like, oh, huh. Good job. Okay. And Scott's like, hold on, Professor X didn't do that. Gene, you didn't. And she's like, no, I did. And I absolutely did. Gene's top could not be more open here. That's how you know she's being evil right now. Gene <laughs> is being corrupted, and you know this because she's becoming more sexy. Yeah, she, she justifies it by saying he wasn't about to listen to reason, and she just wanted to spare everyone's yeah, she- grief, so she just modified their memory. She's like, we have to do this shit all the time. And then he, they invite them in for brunch. <laughs> Scott basically looks in. If Scott could look into the camera here and go, what? <laughs> he would. And, it's like. <laughs> uh, Aurora is like, Scott, did Gene fucking. Like, mind whammy this guy? And Scott's like, and he's yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. You saw that too, right? <laughs> did you see. Did you see her fight the White Queen? Was she fucked up then? And Rose like, yeah, she was fucked up. <laughs> and as Scott and as they go inside, we see Jason Wingard's like, like him superimposed over the background with uh, a stoobie. <laughs> all seeds, all stems, <laughs> just yeah, absolutely gone like, of some Reginald. We both sense a wrongness about her. There's a dark side to the Phoenix that could doom her. It's almost as if something or someone was manipulating her, helping that wrongness to grow. And then we have to find out who's doing this before it's too late. I do really like this panel of Scott and Aurora. Like, I'd like... She's, like, got her arm around his and it's like, yeah, this shit's fucked up, Scotty. Um, we'll figure it out, though. Like, a lot of the X-Men have um, this very... Like, Charles sees them all as his kids, but they all have a very interesting relationship with each other in that, like, Scott and Gene have been together forever. Uh, Warren was in love with Gene. Um, Aurora basically calls... Aurora does call all of them her, like, little siblings and, like, like, kisses them on the cheek and stuff. All of them except Logan. <laughs> like She's Aurora, good buddies with Logan, though. Good but Good buddies, alright. Listen, I'm... This is as far as I've gotten. If they fuck later, I don't know about they, it. It's way, it's way later, but it does happen. Um, it, um, like, it happens so much later that, like, like it's after she divorces T'Challa, or T'Challa divorces her, um, and they, they're talking, he's like, look, I get it, you gotta move on, or whatever. Um, just, like, not him. And she goes, mm, don't tell me what to do. And then she's fucking Logan. <laughs> uh, the backup story for this issue is, um, it's, it's a Dazzler-centric. It's just, like, she's doing a performance, and the narration is like, this music is like, uh, drivel for like what she could be doing. Um, and then she puts on her skates. She like hitches on the back of the car. Uh, they're drinking, so she dazzles them. <laughs> it's like, stop drinking and driving. 
And then she, like, there's a lot of cool shots of her roller skating. And then she goes to, like, a diner across town, and they just talk about politics all buddies. And that's it. And it ends with her saying, I choose... They're talking about, like, Reagan and economics and philosophy and stuff. And they ask her if she feels like she has an obligation to use powers. Um, and she says that she doesn't. And it ends with her saying, I choose never to be a superhero. Believe it! Give it a couple years. I know. Uh, so, the issue 132 opens in New Mexico. Uh, literally miles from anywhere. Angel time! Yeah. Here's, hey, here's time for the, uh, the couple that is fucking the most off-panel. It is Warren Worthington III and Candy Southern. Candy is the most hammer-hammered out I think I've ever seen. Like, this woman is built crazy. <laughs> Stacked up, does not even start to, like... <laughs> so Angel, like, welcomes them to, like, his estate or whatever. Yeah, uh, the end. And then... When he's welcoming them, he kisses Jean full on the lips. On the mouth! Like, hey, open Jean. mouth! <laughs> like, she's like, it's just, like, it's so much that he's like, mm, keep it up, keep this up, Jean, we're liable to make Scott jealous. Cut over to Candy, who is hotter than hell. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is crazy how good this woman looks. She said, like, he says, keep it up, Wings, and Scott is the least of your worries. She is wearing, like, this dress that is... We were talking about the slit on Emma's dress before. This is barely a skirt. It looks like it looks like if it was like a swimsuit cover up, but because sexy. It's, it's all the way to her hip. <laughs> yeah, it comes up to the fucking waistline of the dress. Just, so <laughs> they have they've they've come to Angel's house in New Mexico because they're like the the fucking like these people that attacked us know our shit. So we don't feel safe going home. Yeah. Uh, she's like, meet Candy Southern. She and I are what People Magazine call an item. Note, they have, uh, well, Scott and Jean have met Candy before. The others haven't. Um, uh, so, yeah, Angel <laughs> says, uh, make yourself comfortable. My home is yours. And then Peter says, it is a beautiful home, Angel, and beautiful country. And Wolverine goes, these hills ain't nothing compared to the Canadian Rockies. Now that's beautiful country. <laughs> Shut the fuck up about America. Here's the thing. I've driven through New Mexico. It is like one of the most beautiful places on really in is. America. It's so gorgeous. Um, so Angel's like, hey, what do you want to talk about? He sounded pretty serious on the phone. And he's like, could we talk somewhere private? And Angel just fucking yoinks him. And <laughs> he's like, yeah, hold on, Scotty. And picks up. He's like, what the fuck, dude? And Candy goes, hey, anyone's hungry? We got a uh, fixing for lunch in the house. Presser, you, you hungry? We got uh, a made sandwich. Angel flies him to like a fucking mesa. <laughs> like a beauty. He's like, he says, uh, no one's listening. No one's even in sight. And no hidden microphones. After all, who's going to bug a butte? We're, on, we're alone, Scott. What's on your mind? Someone's after the X-Men. I love Warren's stupid little socks here. I don't know why it's so funny that he's wearing... He's what got was his he, tube socks. Like, just the difference in outfits between him and Candy is hilarious. Because Candy is, like, dressed for, like, lounging, maybe going out. Warren she was is... probably just watching Warren fly around. <laughs> like, Warren... Yeah, do a flip for me, boy. 
Warren looks like he was war- working out, right, like, he, like, he was shooting hoops right before they got here. So, they recap the last couple issues, and Scott's like, the health, it's the Hellfire. They're trying to fuck us up. And Angel's like, I'm in the Hellfire Club. <laughs> He says, I'm a member of the Hellfire Club. So's Candy. I inherited a me- membership in Worthington Industries when my dad passed away. It's an old, very stuffy, risque establishment club. We went once or twice, and we went once, and I was just like, eh. <laughs> I wasn't into it. Uh, whatever you guys learned, whatever your white queen learned about the X-Men, it wasn't from me. He said, well, it's gotta be a fucking link somewhere, dude. They knew our powers, our plans, the way we fight, the way we think. So I brought the X-Men here instead of home. Uh, and something weird's been going on with Gene lately. And then Gene's like, hey, I'm here! Gene ah! <laughs> pops up with a picnic basket. He says, hey, you fellas have been talking for hours. Time for a break. And then Angel's like, alright, I'm going, bye. <laughs> See you later. I'm fucking on this butte. And they do! Yeah, he he pulls out, she pulls out a picnic basket, blanket, changes into, like, a bikini, she telekinetically blocks God's lasers, so she just pulls his visor off. She's like, yeah, you're good. I want to look at your face. She's like, open your eyes, Scott. Nothing will happen. You have a good face. Uh, And then they have sex on this butte. (laughs) You have a good face seems like a goofy thing to say, but honestly, like, that's some good shit. It works in the context of this, because she says, I wanted to see your face, that's all. You have a good face. And so they fuck on this butte. Hey, you want to know something fucked up? With the up? bisexual lighting? With the bisexual lighting? You want to know something that's fucked up? That's established later? I don't know why this is put to page later. It is established later. This is the first time they've ever had sex. Really? Yes. I mean, I guess I can believe it, but... They've geez. been together for like five years. They were together in college. I mean, Scott's a never nude. It's hard to have sex like that. <laughs> He's always gonna have the shades on. Um, so we get a a week time skip. Cut to Manhattan. Uh, the Hellfire Club is having a big party, like as a like anniversary party, and Logan and Kurt are in the sewer. Oh uh, yeah, they're like waters rising, Nightcrawler. How much further we got to go? My scanner says we're almost there, Wolverine. These power and communications cables all service the Hellfire Club. That place uses as much electricity as a skyscraper. I wonder why. Beats me, Elf. But these cables give me an idea. And he just, like, slashes the cables, and my car is like, what the fuck? And he's like, I just stripped off the insulation. So that way, when the water rises, it there will be a blackout at some point, which will probably be helpful. (laughs) <laughs> Something goes wrong tonight. Surprise blackout could come in handy. Very nice. He's all impulse. <laughs> Wolverine gets an idea and just does it. Like he's just punching Scott in the ribs. Why are you doing that? I don't know. I don't know, Slim. I thought it'd be funny. You're a lot. Stu- uh, you're made of a lot sterner stuff than I thought you were. Xavier is just chilling with Angel in New Mexico. They're on FaceTime with Scott, who is driving a limo with Jean and Piotr and Roro to go to the party. Roro looks like she's going to, like, some sort of charity function. She knows how to dress. <laughs> got it on. Angel got them, like, invites under fake names. Or- 
So they're trying to find evidence that their things are connected. That's really all they're trying to do. Uh, Peter thinks to himself, I've never worn clothes as fine as this. They feel marvelous. Yet it does not feel right to wear a suit that costs more than my father earns in an entire year. It has been too long since I have been home. I miss it more and more each day. We needed to remind you that Pyotr is a communist. Um, Colossus is like, oh, I've, I've actually heard of some of the people in the party. Some of them are Russian. How could, How could that- they plot the destruction of the X-Men? And Aurora says, that's what we're here to find out, Peter. We're both bait and trap. Lucky us. Uh, Scott and Jean come in. Jean is... See, I said before Jean's titties cannot be more out. I was wrong. I lied. (laughs) Jean called me. (laughs) She is... Jean is wearing a black dress. um, It looks like she's wearing, like... Like, imagine, like, a button-up, and it just has the top and the very bottom button, but, and it's yes. just, like, Superman it's, opened. It's got a cutout, like, right, like, Power Girl style, uh, from her clavicle down to, like, middle of her stomach. Her belly button. Uh, yeah, so, this guy named Pierce, who looks like a Princess Bride character, is pointing at the, the security <laughs> camera, he's like, hey, that's he's Cyclops. He's doing the, uh, the fucking, <laughs> the Wojak, or, oh! The Soyjack pointing. Yeah. Yeah, so, we're in the secret basement. We've got Pierce, Shaw, Wingard, and, Le- and a guy named Leland. Harry Leland is so wide. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they just took the drawing of Shaw and just stretched it out. He looks like they drew a big circle. He looks like, like, they wanted to draw the kingpin, but had to draw a smaller guy. He's so muscly, too. Like, so his pants are so tight on his buff-ass legs. He's so... He's killing it in the gym. He is on the leg press machine going absolutely berserk. This dude, if you tried to slap him, it would be like... Rick. It's like... Yes. And so anyway, they see Shaw, Cyclops coming in. Shaw turns and, uh, to, uh, to Wingard and goes, Wingard! For weeks now, you've been boasting that Miss Jean Grey is yours, body and soul. Tonight is your chance to prove it. She can lead our attack on the X-Men. For your sake, I hope she succeeds. And one panel later, he just runs up to the ballroom, grabs Jean, and pulls her into a dance, and gets her in the fucking vision. Yeah. Which is, it's the same time slip thing he's been doing. I love that Cyclops is always wearing it, uh, like, dumber and dumber outfits in these time slips. He's like, how do I make Cyclops look a fucking loser? <laughs> and Cyclops is like, that's Jason Wingard. I remember him. He One was- look at him, and it's like I don't even exist anymore. I don't like Wingard, and there's more to my feeling than jealousy. In New Mexico, Gene told me about time slips. I can't believe that these time slips and Jean's total fascination with the Wingard creep are a coincidence. Uh, Wingard goes to, like, take Jean up the stairs. We can see her, also her back is out. Also, the back is out on this dress. It's like, Jean, what the hell? Who's clothes? I have to imagine these are Candy's clothes. Like, my, my only guess is, Jean, there's no way Jean owned this before now. <laughs> 
like, I have to assume that she borrowed this from Candy. Because it's something Candy would wear, but it's not something Jean would wear. So, Wingard's whisking her up the stairs, he turns around and says, Get fucked, Cyclops, and then Cyclops can now see that it is Mastermind. Here's the thing, he drops the illusion on purpose. He says, Ha ha ha, suck my dick, Scotty! (laughs) He says, "What, what the fuck? And he realizes, oh my god, that was the face I saw on the wall. Um, yeah, and Scott like runs after them. He gets caught in illusion for a second and gets like, and then Jean is fully black queened in real life, and she blasts him. This the hair on this is so crazy. It's so God. Worry not, Jason. Had the Black Queen struck the kill, there would have been nothing left of the land of ashes. Uh, 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 Colossus and Storm go. That was definitely Cyclops screaming. Uh, and one of Phoenix's energy blasts. We need to go to help them. Colossus then transforms and destroys this very expensive suit. Uh, they run up the stairs. And Sebastian Shaw is standing in the middle of the hallway, shirt off, just fucking power posed like Charles Atlas. He's the fucking master of war. Says, greetings, X-Men. I'm Sebastian Shaw. I advise you to surrender, or you will be hurt. This power stance is so wide. And Colossus goes, by whom, little man? By you? Do not make me laugh. And he's like, oh, I don't want to hit him too hard. I'll crush his puny human face. And he hits him? But then it doesn't work. And he goes, Lennon's ghost! Lennon's ghost, my blood, no effect! Uh, And he gets um, fucked on, pretty much, here by Sebastian Shaw. Sebastian Shaw's power is uh, absorbing energy. He can absorb kinetic energy. So you basically cannot physically hit him, or he will just absorb power and get stronger. Uh, there is that very cool moment in Marauders where he and uh, Bishop need to send out a really big blast. So they, because their powers are so similar, just keep hitting each other. <laughs> like, Bishop punches Shaw and Shaw blasts him and they're like, yeah, yeah, get it juiced up so we can fire off a huge shot. So, Shaw knocks him back, Colossus kicks him in the face, and then Shaw picks up Colossus Throws him through a wall. Gives him a giant And then swing. Storm... Uh, Storm makes a thick fog to escape. And she's like, I can't carry Colossus. God damn it, he's too heavy. Forgive me, little brother. Well, meanwhile, Wolverine uh, and Nightcrawler have successfully tunneled <laughs> into the building. Um, Wolverine looks like um, the Who's Kilroy drawing. He's just like peeking up out of the out of the hole in the floor. Any more news from Psych or Genie? Nine, like you, I'm beginning to get worried. Could be nothing, though. As the old saying goes, no news is good news. Then Donald Pierce and begins to choke the shit out of Nightcrawler. <laughs> he, he, uh, Pierce has, like, a robot arm, and it can do some kind of, like, electric thingy, so uh, Nightcrawler can't tell. Yeah. Uh, but then... Wolverine tries to chop his arm off and he's like, oh, wires! You're a flaming robot! 
like the funniest part of that is Wolverine did not know that that was going to happen. So Wolverine was like, yeah. I guess I got to cut this dude's fucking arm off. He's like, oh, you're a robot. He's like, not quite, Wolverine. Donald Pierce is a cyborg. A cybernetic organism. Part man, part machine. Because it was 1980, and you had to explain what cyborgs were. cyborg meant, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I know all about cyborgs. I almost became one myself. You may be a six million dollar man, bub, but when I'm done with you, six billion bucks won't be enough to put you back together again. I love how he's pulling out the random, like, TV show reference. Yeah. Uh, Harry Leland then walks out of the elevator with his cane. I'm afraid I can't allow that action, dear boy. You're welcome to try and stop me, Tubby, at your own risk. Wolverine trying to get cancelled? You fat bastard. I'd like to see you try. And uh, Wolverine's like, yeah, so hey, what the Leland's fuck? I'm getting power heavier. is he can make people heavier. He can make things broadly heavier. He doesn't do a set. He can increase the mass of objects and people. So he makes Wolverine so heavy that he slams all the way through the floor back into the <laughs> Great idea. Why does? Why would anyone ever fight this guy? <laughs> yeah, so Wolverine swept away in the storm sewer. He's fucked. Storm is, like, flying through the mansion, and she's like, oh my god, we're fucked. We're fucked. I can't even break the window and get out. And then Shaw grabs her by the ankle, and he's like, gotcha. I know every I know every inch of this house, Storm. There's no way you can elude me for very long. My ankle. And she tries, she hides my she does try to fight him. Yeah, but. and then he puts her in, like, the fucking regal stretch. And that's the end of that. He, like, drags her by her cape. Yeah, after Very punching her hard as shit in the back of the head. We've done well tonight. We've trounced the X-Men with no loss to ourselves. And none of the club's guests are the wiser. It's been a long time since I exercised my mutant ability. I'd forgotten how good it felt. So, he, he tosses Storm into the pile of X-Men that they have in the room. Um... It's like, Shaw's there, he's like, hey, how's your arm, Pierce? And Pierce is like, oh, I already fixed it, don't even worry. And then Wingard's like, huh, Wolverine, cut through your arm, loser. Uh, and then Jean is like, Jason, we've just won a splendid Why spoil it? Harsh words. Jean is standing so wide here. Pussy yeah, she's also Charles Atlas power stance. <laughs> With a chalice of like wine, probably. <laughs> you can. T- I-, I just want to take this panel, and you know the <laughs> the thing where they draw like the green line. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. He's leaning into her. She's got He's her leaning into her, pussy facing the world, and here's the uh, Jason Wingard, cock shamed. And uh, now we get like Sebastian Shaw's really worried about internal Hellfire Club politics. He's like, ah, oh, Wingard's like. Try, gonna try and take over the inner circle from me because he has control of Phoenix. Uh, so he's like trying to mitigate that. Uh, someone I his guess, assistant walks up and puts a robe on him. Yeah, that's Tessa. Uh, she walks up, puts his robe on him, so he can. <laughs> this dude is such a fucking like warlord. I'm so <laughs> uh, warlord of like, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's like, hey, hey, Wingard, it was a group effort. We all did our part. And then Wingard's like, ah, but me getting Jean Grey is how come we won? He's like, about her. 
Oh, is that very well? Is that your Pierce? All right, I'll release my whole owner. See how long you last. They're like, all right, enough. Get the shit out. <laughs> they all uh, toast to the bl- the new Black Queen, and then we cut. Uh, it says, uh, as for our captured mutants, by the time we finished with them, the X-Men may well wish they'd perished with Wolverine. We yeah. cut to the storm sewer. It's just a hand comes out of the water, grabs onto a pipe, pulls himself up out of the water. Wolverine, looking grimy as shit. His okay, suckers. You've taken your best shot. Now, it's my turn. Next, Next issue. Wolverine, alone. Nuff said. That's so sick. That's so I know it's the coldest take imaginable, but Wolverine's fucking awesome. Wolverine's so cool! <laughs> like, here's the thing. I know that people are like, oh, I hate that Wolverine kind of became the like the the like bigger than the group basically. The problem is the Wolverine is so fucking cool. Wolverine is so fucking cool. <laughs> like Storm is the leader of the X Men in the nineties, and it doesn't matter. Where is Wolverine? Because Wolverine is cool as hell. Wolverine is so cool that it made people think Cyclops wasn't. <laughs> um, the classic backup story in this is not very relevant. It's just like. Dazzler is taking an elevator, and the elevator attendant is, and then they go to a dark parking garage. He's really creepy. Okay. And they, like, go into a dark parking garage, and he, like, handcuffs her pipe, and she dazzles the shit out of him, and he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want to, I just want to study for my horror movie, and she's like, fuck you. I don't know. That was the backup story. Issue 133 opens with Wolverine. (laughs) Wolverine on the, like, on the ceiling, like, posted up between some banisters. Just wait for these fucking mercenaries. Yeah, the the goons are, like, uh, searching for Wolverine, even though they they think he's probably no, this dude's definitely dead. Like, he fell into a storm sewer. It was a flash. It's like a flash flood down there. The fall didn't kill him. He just assuredly drowned. Which is a fair assumption to make. This is a, and even if he did survive, so what? Wolverine's just one man. How much damage can he do? And then a drip of water comes from the ceiling like it's Friday the 13th, and there's like a dead body up there. And Wolverine drops down and yells, Surprise! Angelo, he's coming for you! And he, so originally, he just butchers these guys. Like, and then they had to walk it back he later. He does! Like, originally, these dudes all die here. And then they walk it back later. Like, no, 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 Wolverine didn't violently murder those Hellfire Club guys. <laughs> it's like, it would have been cooler if he did. It would have been a lot cooler if he did. <laughs> yeah, he runs around, he's fucking crushing these guys, ripping them to shreds. Uh, they shoot him with a gun, and they're like, oh, he's down, he's ain't, he ain't moving, and he's, like, under boxes. And he's like, oh, man, I gotta move these boxes off him to make sure he's dead. And Wolverine's like, your mistake, bub. This little run lives, which is more I can say for you. And then the last guy is the only one alive, and Wolverine's like, I know what you're thinking. Oh, he does, like, a dirty, hairy speech. He's, uh, yeah. Just, no, that was too close. If I hadn't spun away when this guy fired, he would have cut me in two. Only one goon left. Hey, Bob, I know what you're thinking. He's hurt, and he's five meters away from me, and I got a full clip of ammo in my rifle. 
Question is, can I kill Wolverine because, before he can reach me and chut into me with those shish kebab, with those freaky claws of his? Well, bub, Wolverine is virtually unkillable. Wolverine's claws are adamantium, the strongest strongest metal known, capable of slicing through vanadium steel like a hot knife through butter. And five meters of floor ain't much distance at all for me. It's your play, hero. I'm waiting. The guy puts his gun down. He's like, shoot. I was hoping you'd go for it. The guy goes, what are you doing? Stay back. I give up. I surrender. No. No. I've mellowed out since joining the X-Men. In the old days, I wouldn't have thought about giving this choice, this punk a choice. Be cool, bub. I ain't even gonna kill ya. I ain't even gonna hurt ya. Provided you tell me all there is to know about the Hellfire Club hotshots who clobbered the X-Men. He, like, pounces on him like a jaguar. <laughs> like, here's the thing. This is a new thing I've thought about while reading this. Because he does do exactly Dirty Harry. Did he fire five shots or six? Um... Wolverine being a big film buff is a hilarious concept to me. Slay I mean, he's been alive for a long ass time. What else is he gonna do? <laughs> but, like, Wolverine has, like, a letterboxed account? That's hilarious. Wolverine still thinks of movies as a new thing. Because <laughs> it's still new to him. Slim. Yeah, so Check this thing out on my phone. I can watch Dirty Harry right here. Don't bother me while I'm watching my Scorsese flick, Slim. I feel like Wolverine's favorite movies would be like weird, like nineteen, like fifties silent films. No, he'd be really into like, westerns. I really appreciate the artistry. He'd really be into westerns. He'd really like like the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, like uh, Tombstone. Uh, I feel like he'd be more mad about the inaccurate. Also, you know that's a good point. But I feel he like was he was there. I was there. I saw this happen. Doc Holliday's a pussy. I saw the whole thing go down. <laughs> um, so we, we cut to, like, a upstairs library. They've got uh, Piotr, Kurt, Aurora, and Scott all locked up. Their powers are blocked because that's what happens in every X-Men issue. They've got, they've got these, the, the dudes in, like, these gigantic collars. Like, we get it, Chris. Cyclops is wearing like the fucking red hood from that Jason Todd wears. That's all ruby quartz, so it's just a complete like helmet. They've truly got this guy living in the fucking Mister Brightside video because he they're just like, oh, by the way, Jason Wingard is fucking cucking you right now. <laughs> Gene is still stanced up. Um, all five of them are there. They're just kind of like staring at the X-Men as they're tied up like, hey, hey, hey. Oh man, we're about to see the, it is in this issue. The worst thing about this arc. Uh, I think I know what it is. But... <laughs> because uh, Shaw is Shaw shaking is like, Wingard's right, head. Good job. And Great job. But God. in his head, he's like, this arrogant bitch. There's no way he's going to take over the inner from me, Sebastian Shaw. Uh, and then he, Wingard proceeds to put his fucking tongue down Gene's throat. I'm gonna kill him in real life. I'm gonna beat him to death with my hooves. <laughs> um, and Colossus, yeah, like, so the, we see, we so see Gene, bad. like, staring at the X-Men as they're tied up. And, uh, 
Yeah, they're all like, whoa, what's, you know, I know that's Jean, but uh, she isn't. What have they done to her? And in the and panel cut to directly what below Jean them. is seeing in the past, which is. <laughs> so she sees Piotr, Kurt, and Scott as like American rebels, like trying to, like, you know, do the revolutionary. And, and she, she sees, sees Aurora, Aurora as... as a slave! <laughs> like, and it's not even like... It's Can you read even... the dialogue on the next page, please? Yeah. I have expected better of you. In all the years you've been my slave, I've never mistreated you. I trusted you, only to see that trust betrayed. And Aurora thinks, slave? Goddess, they're so, they're such evil in Jean's voice. Is this what you want, Beauty? The keys that will free you and your companions? Beauty is the tr English translation of my name. Jean has made an insult. She's taunting me. She's flaunting my headdress and lockpick. Jean, hear me. We're friends. Sla silence! And she slaps her across the face with the whip. She says, you dare to so to speak to me, slave? I am not your friend, but your mistress. I own you, and as my right, mine will be the hand that ends your worthless existence. We get it, Chris. <laughs> it's re it's really rough. <laughs> really it's, rough. It's so nuts. Because, like, in the like the way that Gene sees it, Aurora's face is so confused. What the fuck is happening? And, like, John Byrne took liberties here. Like, 100%. Because, like, her nose is drawn differently. Her eyes are drawn differently. Like, it's it's such... It's drawing a different person's face here, really. Yeah. Like, all, like everyone else is like, what the fuck is happening? Um, Scott can't see because he's in the helmet. So he's like, the helmet may neutralize my eye blast, but not my brain. Can't act, but I can... Think. Right, I remember He's the using his greatest weapon, his mind. <laughs> he is making Gene. He's trying to like remember what happened on the Butte in New Mexico, uh, and we can see like the two of them laying there, mostly nude. Um, and Gene is establishing a permanent psychic bond between the two of them. Uh, she's like, part of me is in your head and part of you is in mine. I know I'm asking a, a lot. Total sharing, total trust, total intimacy. I'll understand if you say no. And he's like, that personal private rapport still exists. With luck, it could become the key to busting us out of this mess. Meanwhile, Gene is holding Aurora's head. Like, holding it back, pulling her hair. And says, I trust you've learned your lesson, Beauty. Defy me and the Hellfire Club at your peril. It's like a bloody gash on Aurora's cheek. We get it, Claremont. <laughs> yeah, so Nightcrawler's pissed, but he kind of reins it in, and he's like, Shaw, pardon my asking, but why are we X-Men still alive? He says, uh... Says there's simply no profit in killing you, Herr Wagner. I here's the thing: Kurt's last name is pronounced Wagner because he's German. I don't think for a second 
that uh, that Shaw gives a fuck about that. He says, yeah, Wagner. Shaw's calling him Kurt Wagner and just Peter Rasputin. Peter, what's his fucking You'll use the American version. Uh, The Ruski. You know, the kid. So Shaw basically says, um, superpowers are becoming common in the world, and if my associates and I can isolate the genetic quirk that created us and then custom-build mutants at will, the possibilities are limitless, and they're planning to use the X-Men as guinea pigs to do experiments to... to that goal. Meanwhile, so this is in 135, like, or 133. It's like an interlude that feels like one of the classic backups, but it's just there. It's just like, hey, by the way, here's what Sean's doing. Yeah, it's just <laughs> Sean's jogging. He's at, he's at, uh, he's in Scotland. He's like, oh, Moira's up late. Uh, lights on, lights on in Moira's office. She's been up all night again. What trying, is that accent? I don't fucking know. He uh, he says, "Hey Moira, you feel up to a jog around the island?" And she says, "Dreadful thought." He says, "What a fool about <laughs> then?" She says, "The spirit is willing, my love, but the flesh is beef." He said, "Hilarious mom joke." He said, "Hey, he's like, you want to go for a jog?" She's like, "Fuck no." You want to have sex? And she's like, <laughs> "She's like, not real." He's like, "I would like to, but no." What? To Sean's credit, the most emotionally mature person in this entire series. He's oh, like, oh, franchise wide until like 2002, the the fucking rock of Gibraltar in terms of like, hey, we need uh, somebody emotionally mature in this scene. Go get Banshee. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're troubled. Do you want to talk? You're troubled, and she Mas, talks about talk? how she's been processing all the scans of Gene Xavier yeah. did during one of the. Um, so she's like, ah, oh, the the little circuit breakers that she put on her own path, breaking one by one. And once she gets back to that, like, power, I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. Yeah. Because it's like, the power is too much for really any, like, normal person to cope with. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Angel is flying around and uh, trying to clear his head because we do a second, a second interlude, and he flies back to where the professor is waiting. He's like, "Evening, professor," because I'm not the only one with a case of insomnia tonight. You've been on edge ever since Cyclops took the X Men to New York to confront the Hellfire Club. He left you behind. Is that what's bugging you? He had good reason. If a team is following a false lead, then no harm's done. If they hit pay dirt. Heaven forbid, run into trouble. You'll be un- you'll be safe, free to carry on the fight. I should be with the X Men, Angel. Oh, I realized that was Angel talking. The way that these bubbles are pointed is fucking weird. I should be with the X Men, Angel, monitoring their progress, aiding them in their battle, as I did with the original X Men. I feel so helpless. I was such a bitch in space. <laughs> you don't know what it's like, Warren. They all Xavier thought I was some sort of flyers. primate. He does self-reflect on how he was kind of a bit. Yeah. He says, I found I resented it. I found... Uh, and it, that he said he was he was training Cyclops to take over, but then once Cyclops did take over, he you know, resented, resented it, it because he wasn't... Ne- yeah. Which, I, that's fair. I, still a bitch, but, I mean, fair logic behind <laughs> it. 
Yeah, his kids didn't need him anymore, basically. Back at the so Hellfire. Back to the Hellfire Club. Yeah, because we they have a little statue of like Pan. Yeah, I didn't notice that before. So the a uh, couple of the servers are talking to each other. They're talking about Senator Kelly. Like, does one of the Senator, Senator Kelly Ke- mention Senator? Hey, you know something crazy? You know what Senator Kelly's first name is? Senator Kelly's first name is Robert. Oh, that's right. Meaning, Robert Kelly is the name of both uh, an infamous X-Men character and a notorious R&B singer turned super pervert prisoner. Oh, that's what R. Kelly's name is? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Uh, So... Wolverine gets out of the basement in the dumbwaiter. He, like, around. slips out of the dumbwaiter and he's just thinking to himself, Time for scrapping and a time for being sneaky. Either way, Wolverine's the best there is. <laughs> this is his internal monologue. He's just, like, himself up. God, I just thought about it. And it's like, Wolverine's Canadian. What if Wolverine just sounded like Bret Hart? And I realized you have no clue what Bret Hart sounds like, so that joke is completely wasted on you. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. That coon I questioned wasn't much help, so I've been following Nightcrawler scent. I'm starting to pick up traces of the other X-Men as well. Like, what if he's just, like, super Canadian? No gruff voice. Just... What if he sounded like the guy from Letterkenny? What if, I was like, what if he sounded like one of the dudes from Trailer Park Boys? <laughs> so, uh, the dumbwaiter doesn't Mr. go Lady. high enough for him to take the dumbwaiter all the way up. So he's like, I gotta run across the dance floor. And somebody pulls a gun on him as he's, like, trying to decide where to go. And he, <laughs> said, he thinks, whoops. Uh, uh, Leland is also flirting with Black Queen Jean. Dude, they want to pass her around like a blunt. They're, it, and here's the thing, admittedly. More... Go ahead. I was going to say, this will become more obvious later, but there's really, like, this connection between, like, Dark Phoenix and, like, sexuality yes because this is the this whole thing is what causes her to become dark phoenix really but i was gonna say it's like a known thing now like officially in an official capacity now that leland and shaw especially like the whole hellfire club but especially leland and shaw are like kind of consistently off page having sex with the same women like they are having like weird fuck parties in the hell. Nice. Um, and this is made textual uh, recently because for years there was a character called Shinobi Shaw, who everyone believed was Sebastian Shaw's son. It has been revealed recently that he is not Sebastian Shaw's son. He is Harry Leland's son because he had Leland and Shaw were both fucking the same woman, and they're like, "Well, one of us got her pregnant." <laughs> It's one of ours. We don't know whose. And then Leland goes away. So it's like, Shaw's like, I'll take care of him. Yeah, it's my son. Probably. 50-50 shot. <laughs> so Scott says, uh, Scott thinks, Jean's flirting with them all. Mastermind's given her the instincts of minx. Mastermind turned my, <laughs> turned my girlfriend into a slut. But so his plan is now to try and reach her through their private uh, psychic link that they have. So she, like, basically pops into, like, the psychic realm 
or no, what is it? The astral plane is what he yeah. called it. So cool. he basically he's dressed normal now, and he's in like a white void. And he moves through the plane and become he moves into that revolutionary war outfit. He's like, well, that's the door to Hellfire Club. Snapping Jean's out of Mastermind spell isn't going to be as easy as I thought. Still, Jean is the woman I love. I'm the man she loves. That has to count for something. There she is. She's dressed as the Black Queen. That's not good. And Jean goes, Do I know you, sir? Your voice is strangely familiar. But your grab marks, your guard marks you as an American rebel, King George's enemy, and mine. You try to remember. Like, no, I'm Scott. We're lovers. Please. Your boyfriend. Yeah. And, and Shaw opens the no, other door, and he's standing there with a sword. He's like, you're wasting your time, boy. Neither you nor your precious X-Men mean anything to my lady wife. <laughs> I know it's lady wife, like, your lady, your, my lord, your lady wife. But something about lady wife as one word is fucking hilarious. Because <laughs> it implies, like, do not confuse her with many of my male wives. Yeah. Mastermind could have a male wife if he wanted. No, he fucking couldn't. It's Pierce. <laughs> Listen, no, he couldn't. He had to use several layers of trickery and illusion to get this the get the one woman wife. He's not. Yeah. So Scott is like, okay, I have to fight like on the terms of the illusion, basically. So he goes to pull out his like revolutionary war saber to fight Shaw. And he goes, on guard, Sir Jason. Yes, yeah, so I've known of your fighting. precious rapport from the moment it was a step. Oh yeah, Jason like knew about the psychic link. I'm sorry, you saying, yeah, there's sword fighting caught me way off guard. With swords, you perv. <laughs> so he's like, oh, I knew about the psychic link. And Scott's like, but how? You don't have psychic powers. And he's like, that's my secret. And when I kill you in this duel, the psychic link's gonna be fucking gone, and then I'll have her forever. Mind, body, soul. World rule to the Hellfire Club, and then the world. Cyclops Scott's fucking like, I'll switches fuck, hands. Sword fight. <laughs> what are the. Meanwhile, it literally says, at this point, let's return to Wolverine and the guard. He just fucking whoosh, grabs the dude's wrist, throws him onto the dance floor. Let's party, pal. Keep, keep calm, folks. Stay out of my way, and you won't get hurt. He tries to run through the dance floor, but a bunch of the little dandy guards come out with these little, like, <laughs> batons. Billy gloves. <laughs> Come peacefully, little man, or in pieces. Your choice. You want me, Bob? Come and get me! If you want me, Bob, then come and get me. If you can. Uh, and he's just fighting them. He's, like, doing palm strikes and shit. Yeah, he's like, oh, they might just be, like, you know, fucking employees who are These just are trying just to security get guards. I can't kill them. <laughs> These are just security... <laughs> this is like allied. He's getting his ass beat with the clubs. Allied and then we cut back to... <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then back to Scott, who's still sword fighting. Wingard slaps the sword out of his hand. Stabs it through the stomach. He's like, gotcha, bitch. And then Cyclops collapses. 
and it's like, oh shit, Scott's fucking dead! And so... End of that issue? What's the uh, classic for that one? Uh, The backup story for this one is Storm's just having a good time flying, and she lands in an alleyway, and this dude... It, this like kind of gross looking dude is like in the alleyway and he's like she can fly maybe she's a mutant like me maybe she can help me and he like runs out to try and introduce himself to her and Storm's like ugh this guy's annoying who does he think he is it's away from him when he's trying to talk to her and then there's like a Chad like rich guy who's like leave the lady alone can't you see you're bothering her and she like thank you sir <laughs> and the little the little creep guy is like fuck you god damn it and he goes to the X mansion um and he shows up and like blows up a tree with his energy powers and he's like alright choose Wolver- do, you, do you want me to kill Wolverine or Colossus choose now <laughs> that's and Wolverine or Storm's like how am I supposed to choose and she chooses Wolverine because she's like, he'll live. Um, and then they beat him up. He runs away. But it, like, eroded, like, the trust between uh, Storm and Wolverine. And, like, that was his whole goal, was just to, like, fuck up their relationship. This dude appear- This dude has one appearance. His name is Billy Briggs. This is his only appearance. Yeah, his only appearance is he was like, uh... Storm thought I was gross, so I'm gonna fuck up her relationship. And she does think at the end, like, oh, maybe it... Maybe that was kind of rude of me. Just brushed him off. Yeah. Yeah, so the next real issue. Yes. Uh, Cyclops is not dead. Cyclops has walked it off. Uh, (laughs) Thinks to himself, the way I feel right now, Nightcrawler, I wish I wasn't. I tried to contact Jean through the psychic rapport she and I now share to free her from Mastermind's mental control, but he's anticipated my move. We met and fought on the astral plane, and I lost. He killed my astral form, and the shock of that psychic murder almost finished my physical body as well. <clears throat> um, you can see Jean kind of has a confused look on her face here in this yeah. panel. Because yeah, it's Wingard all like, is like blending together for her. Yeah, Wingard is like, yeah, I trust you learned your lesson. Get fucked. Jean's mine. Uh, we get a little recap of why Jean is evil God, and who the, the, the Hellfire panel Club are. of Slave Aurora is so gnarly. I really hate it. I, th- I think this is the last time we'll see it, yes, luckily. I don't think this ever appears again, but good grief. Uh, it, so it's like... All right, we're gonna get. We gotta get to the bottom of this shit. Where the fuck is Wolverine? Uh, and he busts in. He <laughs> put some guards on him. He's he like, literally blasts through the door with two dudes trying to. Like, he's he's like running for the touchdown, and he's got like two linebackers on. <laughs> Wolverine would have been a gnarly, like a gnarly punt returner. Evening, folks. The name's Wolverine. You and me got business, and all the flunkies in creation ain't gonna keep me away. Uh, the narration also calls him the shortest, feistiest X-Man. 
uh, Shaw's pissed that Wolverine isn't dead, and Wingard goes, Black Queen, stop Wolverine! And she throws Wolverine back against the wall, but there's also a team of psychic going to Cyclops. Yeah, and at the same moment, while all eyes are on Wolverine, the little lock on Cyclops' mask pops open. And she undoes the... She reestablishes the psychic link. Scott then fires his mask at the back of Donald Pierce's head. He opens his eyes and the entire mask just shoots off like a projectile. <laughs> like a cannonball off his head. And then Gene kind of like tightens the focus on his beam so he can free the other three. Yeah, she uh, she's guiding it with his uh, telepathic view of the room. It's like, if I make the slightest miscalculation, I can break someone's arms or worse. Yeah, and he just starts blasting uh, Leland full force. Yeah, drops him, shoots him out into the, the main room. And, and uh, he <laughs> says, Genie, or Wolverine goes, Genie, you're working on the side of the angels after all. Nice, sneaky moves, lady. You're a woman after my own heart. She says, I know, I wish I wasn't. <laughs> he turns his back on Harry Leland, he says, hey, round two, jackass. <laughs> and then uh, Shaw goes to pull his robe off because he wants to fight shirtless again. Listen, the robe is going to get in the way. I need, I, <laughs> I get it. I need to fight yeah, unimpeded. Shaw's like, got his pepperonis him. out. He's like, oh, up. <laughs> Shaw's like, you can't even blast me, because I'll just absorb it, get fucked. And then Cyclops is like, yeah, I'm shooting the floor. Bye. <laughs> See you in hell. falls through the floor. <laughs> Colossus picks uh, up Col Pierce. Says, Do not worry about your leader, Comrade Pierce. You have enough problems of your own. This is unhand uh, me out. Yeah, Colossus did not armor up for some reason, so Pierce kicks him. Uh, and uh, he falls down. Cyclops, I think, shoots him through the floor again. Like, I don't know what's... And if... I think he's just off-screen in that panel. Okay, yeah. Storm and Night... Storm dives through the hole to go find Shaw. She and Nightcrawler do. And he goes and after... And Wingard is, like, trying to sneak out of the room. He's like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Uh, he d uh, Wolverine dives at Leland, who then, on instinct, makes uh, makes Wolverine heavier. <laughs> so Wolverine lands right on him. Storm and Nightcrawler and then, handle Shaw. Meanwhile, four blocks up Fifth Avenue, the Beast is reading a book about the consciousness of breaking down the bicameral mind. <laughs> With his good book. Can't wait to see the movie. <laughs> He's holding the book with his foot. <laughs> Listen, he's a beast. Uh, one Hank McCoy. Yeah, he's at the Avengers. He's doing monitor duty for the Avengers. Uh, he does monitor duty for the Avengers a lot. <laughs> what else is he gonna do? He's beast. He can't go to the supermarket. <laughs> but like, I mean, like every time they cut to him, and it's like, what's the beast doing? Monitor duty. <laughs> yeah, so he checks the monitor, and it says, um that the X-Men have attacked the Hellfire Club, 
and Beast has like a kind of crisis of vengeance, and he's like, I, I can't believe that the X-Men are just attacking people. Like, there's no way. I can't, like, summon the Avengers to beat up the X-Men. So he erases the tapes and runs off to <laughs> find out what's going on. Which is a good call, because the Avengers would have got fucked on. <laughs> the Avengers would have got their uh, asses kicked. Uh, so Pierce is holding, just trying to push back on Colossus. He's on your knees, you Bolshevik buffoon. Colossus is like, what the fuck? How is this dude hurting me? Uh, and then he just wrenches back and breaks this dude's arm. Yeah, Colossus pushes back so hard, his robot arm just fucking breaks in half. But it, like, exposes some wiring that he, like, throws in Colossus's eyes. And by the time he can see again, Pierce is gone. Meanwhile, Nightcrawler has Shaw <laughs> in a truly silly maneuver. He is, uh, and, uh, he's like Storm basically freezes around. his ass. Yeah. Uh, I just want to talk about the thing Nightcrawler is doing. Nightcrawler is on his, like, fully back on his shoulders, juggling Shaw with his feet. Like a beach ball. He says, Enjoying yourself here, Shaw? I am. Uh, yeah, and then Storm yeah. just kind of tries to freeze him. He grabs her, throws her Nightcrawler into her. And he's like, okay, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I'm so fucking cold. Uh, and he bumps into Pierce down in the down in the catacombs. And Pierce is like, beaten, man, beaten. How can you be so cold? It's like, uh, I've lost battles before, Pierce. War goes on. Learn from mistakes. And next time, the outcome will be different. Uh, Meanwhile, Psychops is trying to calm everybody down, but Mastermind is making everyone see that That he's like shooting up the body. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say this maid in the front has like the most detailed (laughs) the most detailed legs I've ever seen in a fucking Marvel comic. (laughs) They're like, no, put a highlight on her thigh. These are expensive tights, man. We need people to know the Hellfire Club does not skimp. And uh, at that moment, the convenient uh, wire that Wolverine's two issues, <laughs> issues ago, ago yeah. gets hit by the water and all the lights go out. <laughs> Wolverine lights a match and he goes, you know, psych, we gotta stop meeting like this. <laughs> Wolverine, what, what happened to Leland? Don't ask. <laughs> And then Cyclops in his mind is like, if that means what I think it does, Professor X is going to have a fit. I love that uh, Wolverine and Cyclops' uniforms are inverses of each other. I know that, like, it's a weird time to mention that, but it's so clear in this one panel where Cyclops is... Yeah, because it's, like, very, like, dark, like, a very low brightness panel. Yeah. So it's very obvious. Yeah, so Cyclops is dark top and dark legs, but the yellow trunks and red belt. And Wolverine is yellow trunks, or yellow outfit, blue trunks, red belt. So it's like, it's a very deliberate choice, which is why I think it's a good... When these two are on a team together, I want them to be wearing these exact color combinations. When Wolverine's by himself, I want him wearing the brown uniform. Or even like an orange. But I think when they're together, they should be wearing 
like this style. Finally, we cut to Jean, who is sneaking up behind Mastermind to fuck his shit up. And Jean is so scared of what she's about to do to this man. (laughs) Jean Grey is terrified, more afraid now than she's ever been, because she knows what is happening to her, and she cannot stop it. Listen, Dark Phoenix may have done some bad things. Fucked up, Jason. Listen, there is no character I feel stronger about in terms of I believe in women's rights and women's wrongs. Well, there's there's one other character. It's Jean Grey and Madeline Pryor. I believe in women's rights and women's wrongs. If you have the genetic code of Jean Grey. Yes, Jean Grey and her sister are the two people <laughs> who it's like, yeah, so, I, uh, I get it. <laughs> I understand how you would do that. Wingard is basically like, oh, fuck. I lost my tap on Jean's m- Got on my troll. <laughs> oh, I'm so fucked. I am so fucked. I am fucked raw. laughs at herself. The man is such a fool. She will enjoy what happens now. Realizing, realizing that. She weeps. You made a mistake, Jason. You slew the man I loved before my eyes. Instead of severing my last connection with the X-Men, that acted like a bucket of ice water in my face. Instead of enslaving me forever, you shocked me awake. You set me free. No, I compensated for that re- My power should have been too late. Your power is nothing! She fucking Phoenix Claw slams him into the wall. You! Do you have any idea what you've done? What forces you set in motion? Jane, no, please. Ah. You came to me when I was vulnerable. You filled the emotional void within me. You made me trust you, perhaps even love you. And all the while, you were using me. Jean, no more. I beg of you. You're killing me. I intend to do a lot worse than that, mastermind. But first, I want to know how you reached into my mind. You're an illusionist, not a telepath. Mind tap mechanism, White Queen's design, allowed me to project illusions directly into your mind, as well as monitor your thoughts. Use a telepath to ensnare a telepath. Ingenious. This device enabled you to tailor your illusions to fit my most private fantasies, the repressed, dark side of my soul. You gave me what I secretly wanted, and then used that to destroy me. It's only fair that I return the compliment. Through me, you sought power. Very well. I'll grant your wish. I'll give you power, no. Jason Wingard. Such as no living no. being has ever dreamed of. She reaches into his mind, expands his consciousness over all of reality, so he touches everything within the universe all at the same moment, and his brain cannot cope, completely breaks, and he fucking brain dies. Enjoy your trip, Jason. You won't be coming back. In a way, I envy you. You're in peace. Phoenix doesn't know the meaning of the word. Scott is like crawling towards his cheat. Oh god. I was searching for you. I was searching all over for you. <laughs> the obsidian flames burn brighter within her, and in the distance she hears music. A symphony of power. Transfixed by an unhuman joy, her burning soul spreads its source destiny. 
She says, Scott, I, I, something's wrong. She's damping down the psychic rapport we share, hiding from me. Mastermind was up here, is he? Still controlling me? No, I took care of him. What's the matter, Gene? Let, talk to me. Let me help. Gene, wait! She's like, in her mind, she's like, you can't help, my love. No one can. All, pre- all present, psych. What now? We we run for it, short stuff. I'm receiving multiple mental impressions. The police are closing in on this building, and they mean to arrest the X-Men. If they capture us, you bet Shaw and the, the Hellfire Club can make any criminal charges stick. So let's scoot. Shaw looks out the window. And he sees him run away. He says, the moment, this moment is yours, X-Men. Enjoy it while you can. Because before I'm finished, the world, you'll be known throughout the land, throughout the world, as public enemy number one. And Scott, Scott is, is, like, still concerned about how he can't reach Gene. Really, yeah. But he's like, fuck, well, we just, let's just get out of here and then I'll worry about it later. Yeah, and he summons, uh, not the Blackbird, but, like, a different ship that they have. Yeah. This is... All my skill as leader of the X-Men, the power of my optic beams aren't worth a blasted thing. I think the sooner I get Gene and Professor X, the better. We left him in New Mexico, at Angel's Mountain Top Chalet. If I fire all the throttles, this crate should be there in a couple of hours. So they fly up in the air. Um, Colossus is like, hey, what the fuck's up with Scott? (laughs) What's up with Scott? And Storm's like, I know, but you'd think he'd be happy right now because we're all afraid. And then Gene is like, oh, Scott, I'm so sorry. It's too late for me, for us, for everything. And, uh... So, they all... Gene says, like, an ominous thing that comes back to what Wolverine said. Yeah, Wolverine says, here comes the boys in blue. New York's finest, better late than never. We ought to be flattered. Looks like they rounded up an army to take us on. And Gene says, against an army, Wolverine, you would have at least had a hope of survival. Against me, you have none. And everyone's like, hey, what the fuck? Uh, Scott's like, what? Oh, no. And Storm's like, gods of the earth and air. And Wolverine's like, Genie. Hear me, X-Men. She- no longer am I the woman you knew. I am fire and life incarnate. Now and forever, I am Phoenix. She's got her arms spread out. She's back at she put herself back in the Phoenix outfit, but now it's like red, the red one, of green. So it's oh, red, the red and yellow. One is so fucking sick. The red one is so good that they give it to Rachel later. They're like, no, we're not we're not gonna not use this look. We don't give a fuck. And she explodes the ship. Uh and then the cover of X-Men 135. Or, or do you want to talk about the uh the backup story for that issue? Um just real quick, it's just Nightcrawler is in New York City, and he sees, like, um, some people doing, like, a pickpocket scam, and he meets this girl who has one leg, who's, like, a dancer, and they kind of relate over, like, being outcasts from society. Yeah. And she ends up, like, calling her mom again, finally, at the end, because of, of talking to Kurt. It's not really related to anything. Yeah, okay. But it's uh, it's nice to read. Yeah. So, issue 135 has the famous cover of Gene as Dark Phoenix crushing the X-Men logo. Which is so sick. 
She's got the crazy eyes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's all that stuff. <laughs> this, this woman is on something. She did a key in the bathroom at the Hellfire Club, and now everyone is in trouble. Yeah, the first panel is like the their ship exploding, and the explosion says Dark Phoenix. The explosion. This page is so good. God, John Witness Byrne the is birth like a, of a god. John Byrne again. Mm, mm, not a not a great dude. Not a great dude, Mister John Byrne. But this page fucking rules. This not this, a good guy, but he can draw some comics. Uh, her name is Jean Grey, a young woman of extraordinary beauty, strength, courage, passion, a superpowered mutant telepath, telekinetic, a charter member of the Uncanny X-Men. None of that has changed, and yet, everything has changed. Her first act, a thousand feet above Manhattan Central Park, is the seeming destruction of those she loves best in the world, the X-Men. <laughs> the ship has exploded. They're all falling. Storm is like, Gene, no! Klaus is like, by the way! And then Nightcrawler goes, not another <laughs> aircraft destroyed! <laughs> Fuck, man! Can we fly anywhere in peace? Damn it! Um, Colossus, like, streamlines himself to try to land faster so he can maybe kill somebody. Nightcrawler just teleports. Um, to, like, try and sort of break his fall, and Storm catches because they are best buds. Yeah. Yeah, Storm catches Logan by his, like, <laughs> by his belt. And then she swoops down. And has Wolverine, has Wolverine grab, grab Cyclops by his armpits. <laughs> like, they're doing, like, a weird Tower of Doom spot. Yeah, she Storm whips up, like, a whirlwind around. Gene around to try and distract her for a minute so they can think. Uh, uh, they all get together, but then Phoenix like immediately breaks out of them. Like a panel later, like they're like, "We're only gonna get a sec," and then she's right there. And Scott's and like, "Gene, what the fuck? Why are you doing this?" She's like, "Ask not for pity from dark darkness, my love. There is none in her." She strikes like the angel of death, terrible in her unhuman beauty, as elemental, as majestic. As the stars in the heavens. And then as she's blasting them. Cyrus, remember, despite her actions, Phoenix is no villain, but our dear friend. We wish to help her. If I can tangle her in the branches of this tree. And she's like, you'll ensnare no one, Colossus. Save perhaps yourself. Linen's ghost! She telekinetically transformed me back into my human self. I'm no longer strong enough to hold this tree. Wolverine dives to help him, but Jean turns the tree into solid gold. Slam. <laughs> also, speaking of the sexual thing, Scott thinks um, Jean's enjoying this, using her, turning her, acting like the ultimate physical slash emotional stimulant. Phoenix power is um, <laughs> Phoenix power is an aphrodisiac. Mass um, destruction. Storm is trying to really talk to her. She's like, "Please, she's like, please, we're your friends. Let us help you." And she's like, "There's no. It's too late. Dark yeah. Phoenix has no friends." And 
Phoenix or Storm remembers like back when she did the crystal thing. Um, and she's like, uh, but back then her power was tempered by joy and love. There's no joy, no love in Dark Phoenix. Pain, great sadness, and an awful, consuming. Yeah, an all consuming lust. Yeah, uh, Jean mind blasts Storm, uh, Storm falls, and then she mind blasts Cyclops and Nightcrawler too, and she lands and says, I didn't want this, my dear ones, yet it was something I had to do. By striking you down, I cut myself free of the last person I the life I led. And you for and a I moment, are quits now. goddess mask slips. And Jean Grey's face shatters the grief. But the moment passes. The humanity fades. And only Dark Phoenix remains. You and I are quits now, X-Men. Our paths will cross no more. My destiny lies in the stars. She reaches for the sky, summoning the lightning, laughing as the awesome bolts of energy caress her body like a lover. Five minutes earlier, Sebastian Shaw just... Hellfire Club. Yeah, Shaw is with a Senator Robert Kelly. Senator R. Um, Kelly. <laughs> as the ambulance and the police show up. And, and like, uh, uh, Sebastian, I'm so sorry about Leland. Thank you, Robert. That's very kind. The X-Men were our helpless prisoners, yet they still escaped and defeated us. We underestimated us. We underestimated them, and Leland and Wingard paid the price. And a cop comes up and is like, Senator Kelly! First a club, there's no sign of them. There's just a kind of the muties, dude. Then Kelly's like, obviously because they're no longer in the building, they're in Central Park. I suggest you show some initiative. Go get after them before they get away. And the cop's like, hey, all due respect, man, what the fuck are we gonna do to the X? All the Avengers is some shit. I wanna go home, sit sit down with a cold beer, and watch the fucking match, alright? I'm not sitting here. Going after the goddamn X-Men. Fuck you, Senator. Respectfully, of course. Love you. Love your work. You do great you do a great service for us all. But kindly kiss my ass. Go Mets, baby. Love the Mets. And Shaw takes the moment to shoot his shot to try and get Kelly interested in Sentinels. <laughs> Which but it really only lasts for like one panel before the entire fucking Phoenix appears over Central Park. <laughs> Somebody goes, Saints, prefer- preserve us! <laughs> uh, we cut to the Fantastic Four. They was in the shower, and he's like, fuck, and Reed's like, been some shit's going on. God, I'm sorry. Then we cut the, to Spider-Man, with who's the on the soap side on of the his building, head and he's so like, funny. what the fuck? <laughs> Peter looks up and he says, oh, I'm staying <laughs> out of this shit. No way. Uh, we cut to Doctor Strange, and he's like, By Hogoth, I sense images of great mystic power, great passion, great evil. But what meaning do they have, Doctor Strange? None! <laughs> and then we cut book. to the Silver Surfer in space. He says, what the fuck is that? A child of the stars, like so I like the Silver Surfer. Soul. And yet, not like me at all. She is human, flawed, and that flaw bids fair to destroy her. I must aid her if I can. 
for more than a single um, Terran life hangs in the balance. Left unchecked, this force could threaten the entire cosmos. Yeah, and Phoenix blasts off into space. She just skims by a Quinjet. The Quinjet, uh, oh, it's it's Beast. Yeah, Beast is flying. She just Quinjet. swings by Beast in the ship. He's like, "Hey, what the fuck's going on here, guys?" Lanston is like, "Oh, fuck the X Men." <laughs> oh Jesus! What happened to you guys? I love that uh, Hank calls him Scotty. Uh, he goes, Scott, Scotty, it's Hank. I hear you, old buddy. <laughs> Throat raw. Can hardly talk. I'm okay. See you to the others. Beast pulls that solid gold tree off of uh, off of uh, Wolverine and Colossus. Meanwhile, Nightcrawler's like. That solid gold oak tree should solve New York's fiscal crisis for sure. It is made of solid gold. That w- that's going to solve your problems right there. Um, so they all get in the Quinjet, fly over to to the Airy to see Angel. Uh, Westchester. Oh yeah, they fly to Westchester and talk this to. Is the Quin- uh, yeah, and then talk to. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. It says fly toward- to Xavier. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I read that wrong. Who is on the phone with Moira in Scotland. And so they're like, hey, yeah, uh, so I felt the tr- tremendous Charles burst of psych- psychic uh, As if someone had triggered a giant-sized psychic H-bomb. The effect passed quick. I can confirm what you already suspect, Charles. The source is Gene. I think Phoenix is out of control. So Moira and Sean are... <laughs> Sean is bringing Moira tea, looking very worried. Over the past few hours, my remote scans show Phoenix's power increasing along a geometric curve, with no end in sight. She already dwarfs any mutant we've already charted. If you want a convenient buzzword description for her, cosmic fits the bill nicely. And Angel thinks Moira sounded terrified. I've never seen the professor like this. Not so much scared as haunted. Professor, what happened? The- Xavier drops the, uh... Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Um, it's too much power for her. She can't control. We gotta get fucking New York now. I'm cutting the brain for this. Space looking crazy. Oh, her pupils are so small here. Which, like, if her pupils were completely yeah, gone, just... like if she had just white eyes and the smile, it would look it would look pretty crazy. But you, the tiny. Like, itty-bitty people makes her look even more like, oh, she's completely lost her mind. Yeah. There's a, some kind of UN satellite that she flies by that detects yeah. Uh But before they can do anything, she slingshots around the sun, launches into space, and then she opens, like, a warp gate to, like, a completely different galaxy. Because she can just fucking do whatever now. Yep. Uh... And she's like, oh, that actually kind of used a lot of power. Hold on. I'm not infinitely strong yet. Let me eat this sun. So she flies into a star. And, and it says, um, consumes it. Normally, this star could expect to live for another six billion years. In reality, future can be measured in a minutes as it is suddenly completely consumed by Dark Phoenix. And then we see that orbiting that star was an inhabited planet. And everyone dies. Yeah, this is the planet Dabari. Um, 
Gene kills everyone on this planet in a matter of minutes. Uh, because of a giant heat flare that boils everything on one side. And then it creates a shockwave in its path. Half the world dies in its sleep. They are the lucky ones. She basically creates a supernova by eating the star. And then a Shi'ar battlecruiser detects this and is like, what the fuck? Dabari just went supernova. Can we, uh, like, is there any explanation for that? It's like, I've got none. It was an average uh, genomal star. It might flare, but not explode. And, the, and they they detect Phoenix, and they are freaked out. They're like, well, it appears to be humanoid, but what kind of creature is it? Sound battle stations. We will engage. Is that wise? It's necessary. Dabari was an ally of the Empire. Or Badari is the planet, I guess. No, they uh, said Dabari in an earlier panel. D- I think Dabari was the is the sun. Dabari is the star, oh, gotcha. Badari is the planet. Um, so here's an ally. They have empire. to avenge the planet. More and they say, uh, this entity yeah. seems to absorb life energy from the stars it consumes. It must be stopped now before it slaughters any other worlds. Before that power becomes so great that no force in creation can stand against it. And so they fire on her. Gene uh, immediately d- just beasts on this fucking cruiser. Oh yeah, that engine is fucked, and she's like, oh, Lylandra, okay, fools. Uh, they call Lylandra, like, on the emergency phone. The emergency orb? Oh no, that's just a big orb picture of Charles. <laughs> and, uh, Lylandra runs over to the to the phone room, and she can see, like, the dude is like, fuck, Lylandra, we're fucked, and the phoenix is in the background, and then they die. And Lylandra recognizes the phoenix. So she's like, we gotta fucking care of this. She says, oh, fuck, I didn't want to... I was really worried about that. Uh, and now we've got to deal with it. Summon my ministers. Back at the uh, school. Back to X-Mansion. They're all so, in the kitchen. Very upset. Uh, Nightcrawler and Beast are sitting up on a countertop together. Which is very cool. Drinking coffee. Scott is a fucking wreck. He's just sitting here with his head in his hands. And Colossus says, he's taking this very hard, Aurora. If there was only some way to help. And uh, Wolverine goes, don't get your hopes up, Petey. Giving up, Wolverine? I would find that hard to believe. I may be stubborn, Aurora, but I ain't stupid. I'm a realist. And realistically, Jeannie trashed us without even raising a sweat. You think a rematch will end any differently? Popping open a beer. <laughs> uh, but Beast says he thinks he can whip up some gadgets. And he's like, uh, and I'll like, help a bit. And he's like, it's better than nothing, Fuzzy. Huh? Huh? And Cyclops' head snaps up and he goes, oh no. No! Like, Scott, what's wrong? It's Phoenix. I can sense her in my mind through the cyanic report we share. She's returning to Earth and she's hungry. Which brings us to issue 136, uh, which has Scott. Yeah. Uh, the, the cover is Scott holding Jean, uh, and she's like dead in his arms. What was the classic uh, for that one? The backup? 
it's actually really interesting. It's about Scott during his days at the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And how he's, like, getting into fights because he, there's, like, a bully guy picking on his roommate. And there's, like, a new therapist at the school who's, like, trying to help him. Um, and he's got, like, his nightmares and his amnesia and stuff. And we find out that Mr. Sinister is fucking with him. This is the origin of why Scott hates the name Nathan. Uh, his bully in his childhood was named Nathan. And he really hates that Madeline wants to name their son Nathan. Um, because Nathan is her dad's name. Yeah. And then, I'll just talk about it right now. The backup story of the next issue is two of that, where the therapist is, like, taking Scott to go see airplanes, because he likes airplanes, but then it triggers, like, a PSD attack. Um, but then the therapist has, like, some pilot friends who are, like, interrupting Scott. But then Mr. Sinister uh, fucking murders them and also brainwashes the therapist lady to be mean. And Scott is like, this school ruins everything. And it takes everything away from me and fuck my life. But then he meets uh, Gene, like in a psychic vision, like baby Gene. That's such an interesting thing to add. So he, he, like, meets baby Jean in a psychic vision, and Xavier's like, let's get out of the psychic vision. Uh, let's not fuck with it. But, like, um, it says even as one aspect of Jean Grey turns another Even and it's as like a one fiery, aspect of like, Jean Even as one aspect of Jean Grey turns another reaches out like a second Jean that's all, like, fiery and fancy. And she kind of goes over and hugs Scott, and he's like, because Scott has, like, fire PTSD. Yes. And it says, this fire doesn't make him afraid. It doesn't destroy. This is life, in all its wild, untamed glory. And he knows that on the darkest, coldest night his soul will ever know, it will always be there to keep him warm. So, Mr. Sinister's on the shit list right after Wingard. Mr. Sinister is, like, Perhaps the, the most worst. Up. He's like the most fucked up long term X Men. It's like him and the Shadow King. Uh, and so back with the Shi'ar, they're like, "Hey, uh, the Phoenix is going back to her homeworld after eating that planet." It's like, hey, so we need to deal with. We need to deal with this. Uh, she Cut to the White House. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. The president has a very severe southern accent written out. He's like, thank you, Dr. Carbo. Joe, give me the Avengers. <laughs> he says, Mr. Jarvis, I understood that an Avenger was supposed to always be on monitor duty. I've been calling for some time when I was smoking. Energy of force of unknown origins, but considerable power is approaching Earth. If this is some extraterrestrial attack, I want the Avengers ready to deal with it. And Jarvis is like, Beast was supposed to be on monitor duty. Where the fuck is Beast? Cut to Beast. He's making gadgets. 
Oh, yeah, Beast is making gadgets. Storm is looking very luxurious. Yeah, uh, Hank is like, oh, I built a thingy that we can put on Jean's head and they'll scramble her mind so she can't psychic fight. Like, damn, Hank, you came up with that in, like, an evening? That's pretty good. Um, Scott has a little moment of his own angst where he's switching from his visor to his glasses and he's like, I can't open the tiniest fraction until I put my glasses on. I've had to be um, this careful since before I joined the X-Men. I'll have to stay this careful until the day I die. Aurora wants to help me, to comfort me, but I can't give in. Not yet. If I get full rein to my feelings, I'll shatter. For Jean's sake, as much as everyone else's, I have to stay strong, in control. Very healthy mindset from Scott. <laughs> um, Peter, no Kurt, and Logan that, uh, are good. Okay, it should be no surprise that Claremont had been getting ready to retire from Cyclops. Like, the way that Cyclops is written here, the stress is going to kill him. And so, Claremont oh, absolutely. is gearing Cyclops up to step down and retire not too long after this. It doesn't happen the way that he would like it to, uh, but that was the plan. Uh, Logan, Piotr, and Kurt are in the danger room just trying to get a workout in. Fucking, what else are they going to do? Working right on a now? good pump. They're, like, they're worried, but it's like, what the fuck are they gonna do, you know? Yeah. You know, like, Jean's our friend, but we might have to fight her to save her. Jean returns to Annandale on Hudson, New York. A sleepy little college hamlet from some 50 miles as the proverbial crow flies, northwest of the X-Men's mansion slash headquarters. This house on Annandale Road is where Jean was born. Where she grew up. That's crazy. Her mom had a home birth in the 60s. Or I, guess I don't the, know if it was that literal, but... It's where, it says it's where she was born. I'm assuming that that's being literal. Uh, but she returns as Dark Phoenix. For time, the young goddess stands, unmoving, in the front yard, wondering why she came back here. Then, the look, the smell, the feel of everything unchanged, and yet these memories and experiences now seem to belong to someone else. This is Jean Grey's home, not Dark Phoenix's. Jean Grey is a gentle, loving woman who cared so much for those that she loved that she defied death itself to save them. Phoenix is a destroyer of worlds who cares only for herself. Yet Jean Grey is Dark Phoenix. She was once She's all sad. that is great in humanity. She has become all that is terrible. She's, like, wandering around the dark living room, just kind of, like, trailing her hand over things, just, like, being, like, melancholy. And, uh, her dad, he, like, pops the lights on, runs out of his room, and he goes, Who's there? She goes, Would you believe the Wicked Witch of the West? Uh-huh. That voice. It can't be. Jean! This is fantastic! My goodness, girl, I haven't heard from you in weeks! Why didn't you write or call? She like kind of runs over to like half hug him, and she's like, "Oh fuck, I'm reading his mind. I can't stop. God, oh fuck." <laughs> I, I, all of I can hear everything he's thinking. God damn it! Also, I, the way that Burn draws her face in the panel where her dad is coming down the stairs, she's got like these like her her facial structure is different. 
Like she's drawn with these really dramatic shadows under her cheekbones. She's got like these really dramatic shadows um, under her, or you know, around her eyelids. Like she looks like I don't want to say older, but that's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, she looks more severe. Yeah, but then she kind of like looks a little more back to normal, like when she's hugging her dad. Yeah, yeah. Her mom and sister come out. She's like, oh shit, I can read my mom and Sarah's minds too. I can't stop reading their minds. She's like, I was in the neighborhood. I thought I'd drop in. And like, that costume. Her sister goes, it's what true then? When mom told me, you are some kind of superhero. And he goes, you look thin, Jean. Are you eating enough? She's like, I'm fine, mom. I'm not fine. Get out of my mind, all of you. Get out, get out. I never should have come here. I can read mom's love for me. Of her concern, but on a beneath that, on a primal level, buried so deeply, she probably isn't even aware that Fooling exists. She's scared of me. It's awfully late for an impromptu visit, Jean. Is anything wrong? Dad's worried about me, but he's as edgy as Mom. And Sarah's terrified. She has two kids. She knows now that I'm a mutant. She's wondering if they're mutants too, if they'll turn out like me. Well, what's so wrong with that? I'm Dark Phoenix. I'm Power Incarnate. I hold the fate of the universe in my hands. Can't help myself. Don't want to anymore. I'm reacting to their thoughts, not their words. You fear me, all of you, and with good reason. What I do to this plant, I can just as easily do to you. Good grief! Do Jean's sister's kids ever become relevant? I want to say they're relevant to a Rachel story later. Uh, Okay. But I don't think they ever, like, much, but I do believe they were in I think the story's called End of Greys. It's not a big deal, I was just wondering. But she is... I, I do believe they are... They they do pop up at some point, I'll say that. Yeah, Jean blasts the plant with psychic energy and turns it to crystal, and then her dad is Who are ya? What are ya? In heaven's name, what do you want? She says, I am what I am. I was your daughter. He goes, no, you're not mine. Not any part of me. I deny you. I cast you out. And in her mind, she's like, dad, no, please. But then out loud, she's like, watch your tone, old man. Dance with death. And worse than, and then she notices a fog outside. She's like, god damn it, storm. (laughs) Um, So I did look at it. Um. Jean's niece, uh, niece and nephew uh, do pop up. Her nephew is named Joey. He is eventually killed by Shi'ar Death Commandos, but he is a mutant. <laughs> he, uh... You know, just casually, he's killed by Shi'ar Death Commandos. His uh, codename is Shatterbox, which is, uh... Or, he and his sister are codenamed Shatterbox together. Which is, which is cool. Uh, they're they're like our kids are like ten here too. So Jean flies outside. She's like, "Goddamn fucking X Men!" <laughs> uh, but she can't detect them. And then Nightcrawler just teleports right onto her back. And he's like, "I'm sorry, things must turn out this way." And he puts the psychic jammer thingy on her head. He's like, "As the saying goes, it's for your own good." 
and she's like, fucking get up, this, get this bullshit off me. <laughs> she's like writhing, lashing out, um, but like her powers are like faltering. Yeah, Night- uh, Colossus uh, comes up and grabs her ankle. She's like, this accursed diadem may limit my powers. It may even cripple me, but I'm still far from helpless. So I was like, what the fuck? Would she back down? Jesus Christ. And Storm is, uh, she's like, she won't yield no more than any of us would were our positions reversed. Evil though Dark Phoenix is, she is still Jean Grey with all of Jean's strength and courage. And she and, says, uh, Jean says to her, you are closer to me than my own sister, Storm. Yet I won't hesitate to strike you down. So I don't want this, Jean. None of us do. In the name of the love we share, let us help you. In the name of we- the love we shared, Aurora, I will weep over your grave. That's so like, sick! That's so metal! She blasts Storm, and then Beast goes, temper, temper, carrot top, and he's like hanging from a tree, and he grabs her hands. Beast, before they decided to make him like the sickest fuck that there's ever been... Like, before they made him, like, guy. he's just a piece of your pal. And now he's, like, mutant Henry Kissinger. <laughs> so he's basically like, oh, fuck, this, this, uh, my scrambler's not gonna keep working for much longer. She's burns it out. it out through raw power. Hold her off balance for a moment longer, bub, and I'll settle this fracas the only way it can be settled. Like, Wolverine, what the fuck? Everyone else is holding back. They keep thinking of Dark Phoenix's genie. They're trying to capture her without hurting her any more than they have to. But that won't work. Even with the beast's framistat chopping her power, she's still too strong for us, and she's getting stronger all the time. I gotta end this now. Permanently. Forgive me, darling. And she goes, do it! Do it, Wolverine! While the human part of me is still in control. Finish me with your claws. I beg you. I don't want to hurt you! There's like one tear coming down. But she blasts him away, and he's like, for an instant, Jean was back. I couldn't. And what then a... super evil face, Dark Phoenix. The shadows the on like, her face here are so nuts. <laughs> what a pity, Hank. I've overloaded your precious scrambler. This was an admirable ploy, X-Men. But a ploy that failed. And she gets him with, like, the syndrome zero energy from- That's exactly what it is, yeah. She just got him frozen in space, and she's like, alright, now what should I do with you? Gene, if there's Gene, anything if remaining there's within anything you. anything human remaining within you. There isn't. There isn't. Hear <laughs> so, me. So. <laughs> Remember what you, meant, what you were, what you meant to us, and we to you, I... It's like, hush, Colossus, your appeal is heard and denied. Any last thoughts, little brother? That's terrible accent. I apologize. To all of Russia. <laughs> Any last thoughts, little brother, before the final sentence is passed? Scott stands there in the clearing, wide, like Mom told him that it's his turn to play the Xbox. Stop it, Gene. Cyclops. Cyclops, I was wondering when you'd turn up. Have you come to fight? I hope so. I came to talk. I won't listen. Then kill me. I can't stop you. I won't even try. Be true to your malefic destiny, Phoenix. Kill me, if you can. But if you can't, then ask yourself why. You're Dark Phoenix, power incarnate. No force in existence can stand against you. 
the X-Men have defied you, fought you, yet we live. Why? She says, you're not worth killing. That's one answer, but there's another. True, you're Dark Phoenix, but you're also still Jean Grey. No matter how hard you try, you can't exercise that part of yourself. It's too fundamental. You can't kill us because you love us. We love you. She says, Dark Phoenix knows nothing of love. Oh, for the love of the X-Men, you sacrificed your life. For the love of me, you resurrected yourself. For the love of the whole universe, you almost died a second time to save it. Know nothing of love? Jean, you are love. Your existence, your very creation, springs from love, from the noblest emotions a human can attain. And now you want to deny that? Deny yourself? She says, yes! No, I hunger, Scott, for a joy, a rapture, beyond all comprehension. Need is a part of me, too. It consumes me. And in the background of panels, you can see it again. And then a silhouette. If you're an angel. Yeah, you see the angel and Xavier standing there. He says, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. Trust me. Let me help. And she gets a hit from behind. Jane! Professor Xavier, what have you done? While you're distracted. Xavier wheels up. <laughs> while you're distracted, I was able to approach and mind blast Phoenix. I, I had no alternative. Now stand aside. At once, I do not wish you to be hurt. You heard our mentor, my love. Away with you. Scott flies away. <laughs> Meddling old fool. Meddling old fool. <laughs> you have just signed your death warrant. It's like they were fine. Sam. This is, he this is the craziest out of his thing. Wheelchair. Is that they ha- Scott fully has it under control. Scott is <laughs> Scott Summers trained in hostage negotiation. He's got this. And then fucking and Charles Xavier's comes and like- fucks it up. Xavier's beat to fuck on the floor, and he's like... <laughs> His face is so funny. Perhaps, Phoenix, but I am in part responsible for what's happened. Though it may cost me my life, put it right. And she what? basically, like... And I think this is more something that they will... Something they'll what? To this point. They'll play with this later more, but she basically calls herself as Dark Phoenix... Uh, Xavier's creation. Yeah, because it is her fault. <laughs> or it's that's fault. not really something... I, I think that's more something that they put in... I haven't... Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he made her an X-Man, but... But more specifically, it's like the way that Charles trained her to use her powers put her on the path that led to her using him the way that she does now. Fair like, enough. It is specific, like, if she had had a better teacher, if Charles was more suited to... Like, here's the thing about Charles Xavier. I don't think he's good at teaching people. <laughs> he's not! I he's do just not a think, rich guy. He's just a guy who knows a lot about other mutants, but he's not good at teaching people how to use their powers. He's not good at teaching people actual, real applications for it. Emma is a much better teacher than Charles. Kitty eventually grows up to be a better teacher than Charles. Um, Danny Moonstar is a better teacher than Charles. Cyclops is a better teacher than Charles. He is not a good teacher. Um, She summons a giant uh, energy phoenix and she says, I am what was, what is, what will be the Black Angel 
Chaos Bringer. I am power. I should. I just thought about power from Chainsaw Man underneath this. <laughs> Dark Phoenix does not flush the toilet. <laughs> She's the guy who rarely flushes turds. Uh, Xavier says, "Yeah, power without restraint, knowledge without wisdom, age without maturity, passion without love. I must fight you, Gene. I must." I will win. Will you? They have an epic psychic, psychic battle. battle waging simultaneously on all the infinite planes of existence. Xavier's got a tear going down his face. I don't think it's it, like it, he's sad because he's like he's crying because he's sad. I think it's just like he had to hold his eyes open so long. The energy phoenix is growing like bigger and bigger and like more warped. And then it turns into, like, this huge orb cloud thing. Yeah. Uh, basically, Charles is trying to uh, to bind the Phoenix with an unbreachable network of psionic circuit breakers. The end comes suddenly. One moment, the Phoenix effect is lighting up the countryside like a small sun. The next, Jean Grey collapses to the ground like a puppet with its strings cut. Jean! Would have lost... I sense Jean fighting her phoenix self, helping me. Bless you, child. I am so proud of you. Scott picks up her body and he's like, she's so sick. not even and I says, want her to live, but what if she hasn't changed? What if she's still Dark Phoenix? And then there's like a second thought bubble. I'll love her just the same. For better, worse, richer, sickness. Till death do Heart. Then she opens her eyes and goes, Hi. Hi yourself. If I didn't know any better, I'd say those thoughts I just picked up sounded like a proposal. They did, didn't they? What do you say, Red? And so they're engaged. Yay! And then <laughs> suddenly, <laughs> like her dad comes and brings her like a robe. Her dad is fucking blushing because his adult daughter is now is sitting on her husband's her soon-to-be husband's lap fully nude. It's like, huh, oh god, Gene, take this before you get cold. <laughs> Which is fucking hilarious. And they're like, oh, thank god we're all alive, and Cyclops psychic in, and I'm cured. So, I think I'm cured. Thanks to the professor. Don't give this douchebag any credit. <laughs> you did it, Gene. And then uh, Gene's dad is like, Xavier, what the fuck is going on? I'll be happy to explain, but first, could I trouble you for some tea? You fucking asshole. <laughs> and then they get laser beamed and they all disappear. And Gene's family is like, what the fuck? What just happened? That's the end of the issue. Which brings us to issue 137, the proper finale. It's a special double sized issue. Um,. Uh, do you want to talk before we before or after this about what the plan was for the for for how this story would end? Uh I mean I guess we can talk about it now. Okay. So is the basically what's gonna happen in this issue is the Shi'ar are like Dark Phoenix has to pay for the crime of destroying an entire planet and killing all of the 5 billion people on it. Right. Uh, Claremont's original plan 
was for the this is all uh, shown in what is it called Phoenix the Untold Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 1983, they put out Phoenix the Untold Story, which uh, puts out Claremont's original vision for it, which was that Jean would uh, the Chiar would punish her by blocking her psychic powers forever, and she would she and Scott were going to retire and get married and be done. Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief at the time, was like, this feels like Jean gets off too easy. She killed five billion people. And he's like, yeah, but what do you want? If I put the if, she, if I put her in, like, Shi'ar jail, the X-Men will never stop trying to break her out of it. And so the idea eventually gets floated, okay, we'll just kill her then. Uh... Which then leads to the creation of Madeline Pryor, who Cyclops retired. She marries her. They uh, he retires. They get married. She gets pregnant uh, and gives birth to their son Nathan, better known now as Cable. And the plan was for Cyclops to just stay retired. That doesn't happen. Uh, well, no, no comic character can ever retire. Uh, Claremont didn't know that in 1985, though, because um, what happened is Claremont retires him. They move back to Alaska uh, and everything, and then whoever was, I don't know if it was Shooter or if it was Bob Harris, um, was like, we're launching this new book, X Factor, uh, with that's going to reunite the original X-Men. We're going to bring back Gene. Scott's going to come out of retirement. And Claremont's like, dude, I've spent the last like, two years retiring this character. What do you mean? He's coming out. Like, Madeline had just given birth to Cable. Like, not fucking. Got two issues before this. Claremont was also having to field people begging for Jean to come back literally the instant she died. He's like, God damn it. I told them I wasn't bringing her back. Stop trying to bring her back. And he's hated ever since that they did that. So, let's get into the special double size issue. We start with Uatu. Standing here in his big toga. Uatu the Watcher. Since time immemorial, I and others of my race have beheld the myriad wonders of the universe. Our charge, our most sacred trust, is that we observe but never interfere. Years He's basically ago, giving a fucking recap. Yeah. Years ago, I yeah. beheld the birth of Jean Grey. I watched her grow from child to woman. Watched her take her destined place as one of the X-Men. I saw her die. And I saw her reborn as Phoenix. Though she did not, did not know it then, Jean had become one with the primal force second only to that of the creator. It was, that, it was more power than she or any human could ever hope to control. In time, it twisted and warped her soul, until Phoenix was transfigured into Dark Phoenix. The X-Men fought to save their friend, to return Jean Grey to her humanity. And after an epic struggle, they succeeded. But then, at the very moment of their triumph, the X-Men vanished from the face of the Earth. This drama's final act is about to begin. Before it is ended, these young mutants will be put to the ultimate test. If they are found wanting, the entire universe may well pay the price. 
this get a nice two page spread. I say this two page splash. It's got like a Star Wars kind of thing happening with the font. It says the fate of the Phoenix. Probably intentional, given That's, it was nineteen eighty. It's very deliberate. It's one hundred percent on purpose. Uh, uh, they're basically all like, "What happened? Where are my guard? Where did we go?" And Charles is like, "Oh, hey, Lylandra's probably here." <laughs> yeah, dude. He's like, "This is Lylandra's oh, yeah. flagship." Uh, my can... lover that I abandoned. <laughs> Gladiator is just standing behind them. Furious. It's very stern. Scott's like, hey, Lelandra, what the fuck is going on? We're your friends. Why'd you kidnap us? And she's like, yeah, you guys are. Uh, you know, I owe you my life, my freedom, my throne, more than I can ever repay. But as my empress, as empress, my first responsibility is to my people. To ensure their safety. To ensure the safety of the entire universe. Phoenix must be destroyed. This is Phoenix? Me? Why? As I recall, Lelandra, Phoenix stopped your brother from single-handedly destroying the universe. Is this how you repay her? We had no quarrel with Phoenix then, Cyclops. She seemed a beneficent entity. Though we suspected the full extent of her power and feared it, we did nothing. We believed, I believed, that Jean could cope with her near-infinite abilities. I was wrong. Hey, yo, Jean blew up a bunch of people! She blew up a sun and killed five billion aliens! Yet they basically... Like, nobody knew that this had happened, and Jean didn't really remember it, so they're revealing it. Her. Scott's and, like, uh, I Storm's actually... Crazy. Huh? Scott's like, oh, yeah, I sensed something, but I couldn't tell that's what the fuck it was. Storm is actually, like, kind of not chill with that. <laughs> yes. Storm is like, oh, little one, dear sister, I have no words to comfort you to ease your torment. And if glad what a gladiator says is true, part of me does not wish to. Forgive me, Jean. And Lylandra's like, uh, listen, I really don't have a choice here. Surrender her or suffer the consequences. And they're like, no, and no, they're no, like, oh, no, no, that was Dark Phoenix. We did. Let her leave her alone. <laughs> Technically, it was a different person. Come on, man. They're like, yeah, but we don't know that she won't not be her. And also, five billion people. They're basically like, even if you stopped Phoenix, there's no guarantee you can't just become Phoenix again. So, she's under arrest. And then, uh, Xavier calls fucking Parlay. He's like, duel to the honor, duel of honor, duel of honor. You gotta do a duel of honor. <laughs> and she's like, god damn it. Uh, Lalandra's like, god damn it, Charles. Why did you learn so much about my society? But she's like, bound, like, she's honor bound to accept it. Yeah. It's like their law. The Kree is like, hey, the Phoenix is... They said, hey, the Kree agreed this Phoenix entity be expunged. Nothing was said of any duel of honor. Why is this Kree guy dressed like a spaceman Lego figure? That's just what the Kree looked like for, like, 30 years. So, Lylandra goes into another room, sets up a Zoom call with the supreme <laughs> intelligence the of the crew and the Empress Scrolls, and it's like, hey, can I do an honor duel? And they're like, sure, as long as they don't win. Yeah, just, uh, you know, fuck them. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> the fuck are we doing? Our representatives are required to monitor the battle. 
And the scroll is like, what the fuck? I'm not going to this bullshit. Fuck off. You want me to stand beside this Cree dickhead? Go to hell. And so Lelandra comes like, back and she's like, alright, we'll do the Duel of Honor. I hope you don't regret it. Yeah. Like, duel begins at dawn. And Jean is lamenting what she did and what happened. She's like, um, I, there, there's a lot of, like, the different X-Men's on the situation, and a lot of them are very conflicted about it, which is interesting writing. Yeah, they're like, we love Jean, but also, Jean killed billions of people. We can't, like, what do you, what do In the original version, if you read Phoenix, the untold story, a lot of the conflictness is not there. Really? They, like, that- added that in, or once they decided she was gonna die. Because they wanted you, as the reader, to feel more of that, like, you know, Gene killed five billion, Gene didn't kill five billion people. You know? Yeah. And Gene is lamenting, and she's like, man, that was a lot of power, it was terrible, yet I didn't want that, I didn't mean to do it, but I did it just the same. She says, And now the time has come to pay the price. Jean, in this moment, has already resolved herself to, like, no, I, I should probably, like, face some consequences for this. And Nightcrawler has a long-ass speech in his mind. Yeah, basically, he's like, I, he's like, look, we can, we can handle the duel, but I wish I felt as confident about the reason for it. I thought I could defy the devil himself for Jean, but I'm not sure. I, as a kid in the circus, I knew people who survived the Holocaust. I can't forgive the butchers responsible for those atrocities. How can I forgive Jean? I wish I knew what to do. Uh, but fuck, man. <laughs> he also has a, a line here that I think is very funny, where he says, Eat your heart out, Spider-Man. Anything you can climb, I can climb better. Which is very funny, given that Kurt is currently Spider-Man. <laughs> he also immediately slips off the wall and has to get caught by Angel in a very homo-romantic way. Well, yes, it involves Angel. Everybody, so here's the thing about Angel. His power is having giant wings, and also uh, that if you were standing directly next to him, uh, you do look like you're in love with him. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, Kurt says that he sounds sad, and Angel says, "Uh, perhaps it's because I've discovered doubt and find any. I don't know if I can fight for you. That hurts. Yeah, and Wolverine, Wolverine is full naked, fully nude, out, covered in hair. He says, silhouetted, coming out the shower. Does nice digs, an okay place to spend the night. But I'd go batty if I was forced to live here. Of course, this time tomorrow, I may not have to worry about living anywhere. I ain't scared of dying. Never have been. It'll happen to me one day, whether I wanted to or not. So why waste time worrying about it? As for anything else, shoot, they're much, ain't much for a man with unbreakable bones and razor-sharp claws to be scared of. Still, I've got a bad feeling about this fight. Nobody understands Jeannie like I do, that she's become two separate entities, Jean Grey and Phoenix. Jean ain't a killer. She can't be held responsible for Phoenix's actions. But the Professor... But can the professor really split the two entities apart? 
suppressing Phoenix and leaving Jean? I hope so. Sorry, my microphone is doing some fucking weird. <laughs> Sorry if that picks up anybody. Um, I don't know what the fuck that was. Uh, if push comes to shove, if I have to make a choice, I stand by Genie all the way. Beast is here, washing his fucking big ass feet. He's like, oh, the law separates humans from animals. Uh, all right, fuck it. So we have to follow the law. Like it or not, the law protects everyone. You fucking idiot. <laughs> you fucking wasp. And there's a masseuse, and he goes, hello. I am your masseuse, sir. I have been sent to look after your every need. Oh, my stars and guns. I feel like we also didn't say, they like when they did the honor duel, they got one night to prepare, which is why they're all just chilling. Yeah. Colossus wakes up with some fucking bedhead. Uh, Aurora is laying. Aurora wakes up and looks. This looks like they were referencing, like a pinup. Yeah. Like her ass looks gigantic here because <laughs> of the way they drew the angle of it. Um, Colossus is also not really conflicted. He's down to fuck. He's down to clown, um, at all times, till he's dead in the ground. And Storm is, like, she kind of uh, misses when she wasn't on the X-Men, because she didn't worry about the Yeah, but- But she did become an X-Man, and now she's, like, worried about Sir Jean. Yeah, because she loves Jean. She loves Jean like she was her own flesh and blood. And Scott stands out on an observation deck. Today's contest is not a duel to the death, but in trying to save Jean, one of us, or all of us, might die. And I can't help thinking, what if Lander's right? Suppose we win today, and then the psychic circuit breakers that Professor Xavier placed in Jean's mind fail. Dark Phoenix will be free once more, with the whole universe at her mercy, and it'll have been our fault. I've been wrestling with this problem, this fear, all night. I still don't have an answer. Maybe there isn't one. Damn it, this isn't fair. After all we've been through, after all the good that Jean's done, to have an end like that? I guess that's what the people on Dabari thought when the sun exploded. I've been a leader too long. I can see the Landra's position clearly as my own. And if our positions were reversed, would I be acting any differently than she? I'd like to think yes. If vengeance is demanded, let God meet it out. Me, I'd rather err on the side of mercy. Jean comes in, no matter what the cost. And so Jean is back in the Marvel Girl dress. This is one of the worst costumes ever. It's like. so fucking bad. <laughs> I realize symbolically why she's wearing symbolically it. Symbolically, the God, importance it's of it. She looks, she looks terrible. Like, um, she started wearing also, it again in the Krakoa era, and everyone's like, is there a reason Jean is wearing this shitty costume again? And everyone's it's like, so oh, ugly. Maybe. maybe perhaps. <laughs> it's the bottom She's never five. had a good costume, except the Phoenix. That's well. Here's the thing. This was her one costume until she became Phoenix. Then, as Phoenix, she wears that. Sh she has that shit on, uh, and then she comes back. Her X Factor costume. I think the X Factor suits are fine. Uh, it's fine. It's not that good. The X Factor suits are. Fine. Everything else she wears is awful. The '90s costume is bad. The Jim Lee design is not good. I don't like it. Um, 
then the the Morrison era, she's just wearing like the same thing everybody else wears. Yeah, it's the reason she always comes back wearing the Phoenix costume, because it's the best one she's ever had. Uh, this kind of soliloquy that Cyclops has is different. It's like he's coming down way harder. Coming down Lylandra way harder. This what? Stupid. He's coming down way harder on Lilandra. He's like, fuck Lilandra. This is stupid. Leave us alone. Gene didn't do anything wrong. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm going to kill all your guards. <laughs> oh, I'm killing your guards, Lilandra. He doesn't actually say that. I'm just. But he's, he's thinking it. He's... <laughs> yeah, he's Scott's like, oh, you're dressed as Marvel Girl. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> he asks it like, why the fuck? She should have kept the robe on. Why are you wearing this bullshit? Yeah, she says it's for the symbolism and everything, which is whatever. And they kiss, and she's like, "Ah, oh, Jean, whatever happens, I'll love you, and I'll stand by." And uh, they go to the blue area of the moon to fight. Yep. And so they they get to they get to scrapping. Angel. <laughs> Fucking flies off. Oh, guys, I can get up here and do it to get. I can go fight it. And then he did not take into account the fucking gravity there. And so he flies up way too high and out of the crater. And he's like, "Uh, no air. Can't breathe. Oh, fuck. Uh, Storm goes and and catches him by one of his wings. Uh, Storm's powers are like not working as well as they could be because she's on the moon. Yeah, she doesn't have as much atmosphere. Like, the X-Men are fighting at a disadvantage. Jean does not have her her Phoenix powers anymore. Uh, Angel and Storm can't really fly as well as they usually could. Beast is here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, they decide to split up into two groups to try and hit the Shi'ar guards with, like, hit-and-run tactics. Tavarish, I have been... St- I have been- <laughs> Studying the tactics of the Viet Cong. <laughs> uh, Angel calls them impies. Oh, like for, for like Imperials. Imperials, yeah. And uh, um, there's a lot of fighting that I feel like is not super important to go. No, into. no, they fight and fight and fight and fight. There's a lot of fighting. The X Men mostly get dunked on. Yeah, Smasher fucking power dunks Angel. Uh, Gladiator crushes Colossus. <laughs> Wolverine encounters the Watcher, and it's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and the Watcher's like, get the fuck out. Some lady with a Nero whip gets Stormer on the neck. Vermont, please. <laughs> uh, uh, Smasher sw- slam dunks Angel. Nightcrawler tries to grab him. Doesn't work. The screen, the Kree and the scroll kill each other. Oh, that worked out pretty well. Uh, Manta whammies Nightcrawler. So eventually, it's just Scott and Jean left, pretty much. Yeah, and Beast gets Charles is like shocked. Charles is like, oh no, oh fuck, oh <sighs> god damn it, <laughs> because. Why did you think this would work, Charles? He thought, it says, I thought, I felt that you had a chance. I never dreamed things would end this. Forgive me, my child. I know I will never. 
And Lelandra's also sad about it, but she can't comfort him because she has to be Empress. Lelandra is like a microcosm of like the one thing that I love about superhero comics, which is, hey, I want to just not do this. I want to not, I don't, I want to give this up, but it's, it's my job. It's my duty. And I can't, I cannot shirk my responsibility. It's the Spider-Man problem, right? Where Spider-Man would like to give up. Peter wants to quit being Spider-Man so fucking bad. (laughs) It has done nothing but impact his life negatively. Um, like it's completely stunted his ability to like interact with other people because he's had this responsibility on him since before he finished puberty. Uh, and he can't because uh, motherfucker, I gotta be Spider Man as long as I as long as I have these powers, I have to keep doing. It. And that's basically Lilandra here going, "Damn, I love Charles so much, and I hate that this is like hurting him so much." But I'm the fucking Empress of the Shi'ar. And if it's not me, it's going to be my brother. And if it's my brother, then the whole universe is fucked. So this is a concession I have to make. Yeah, so uh, Jean realizes that her and Scott are the last two left. They go, like, hide in a little alcove where she shields them for a minute. And they they have, like, this one moment where Scott's, uh, where Scott's like, there's, there's so much I want to say to you, so much that I feel. I... I don't have the words. And she says, where I'm concerned, it's the thought that counts. And yours, like you, are beautiful. And they hold hands, and she says, you're a special man, Scott Summers. And he says, no more special than the woman I love. Ready? Ready. He says, let's go. And they run out, and they're, like, fighting the guards, and the narration is, like, as they make their last stand, they find themselves remembering the day they first met so long ago, so far away. They remember all that's happened since, good times and bad, and dream of what might have been. Once upon a time, there was a woman named Jean Grey, a man named Scott Summers. They were young. They were in love. They were heroes. Today, they will prove it, beyond all shadow of a doubt. And it's like cutting up from the moon to like the sun overhead, and it's like very beautiful. And there's a huge burst of light uh, from from above, and they're like, "What the fuck is happening?" The instruments are registering off their scales. Oh fuck! Oh no! Phoenix is back. Yeah, the uh, the Shi'ar ship gets like blasted in half, and uh, Jean instantly ripped through all those fucking circuit breakers. She's Phoenix again, and Charles is like, uh, Lilandra says, uh. Burn the world, the system, the entire star cluster. Do whatever is necessary to ensure Phoenix is destroyed. And because Jean holy is, fuck, re- it's noted that Jean is like regular Phoenix. Like she's not dark Phoenix. She's in the green and gold costume again. Um, um, Charles is like, fuck, Lilandris. This is. I've done everything I could. I, I have to save the human race. And he summons the X-Men to go fight. And Cyclops is like, Professor, there's got to be another way. He's like, if there was, don't you think I'd be doing it? And Jean is thinking to herself, good, Scott, you're doing exactly what I prayed you would. And And he blasts the base of a building to fall. A million tons of masonry and steel toppled towards Phoenix. 
She manages to save herself with the telekinetic shield, but the impact still hammers her to her knees. Her power is awesome, but for the present, it has limits. She has reached them. So the professor's voice... Um, Aurora manages to get back. Well, the professor wakes her up, psychically. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, what the fuck, dude? How is he back? How is she back? <laughs> we gotta stop her again. So they all, the X-Men all get up to make their last stand. They do a reverse fastball special where Wolverine picks up Colossus and throws him. Because, um, Wolverine is like, I, I hesitated. I can't, I can't take her down. I have. Yeah, I, I gotta, it's gotta be something else. Somebody else has got to do it. But Colossus can't do it either. He all. Yeah, he's managed just to stun her. And, uh... She says something... Jean says something interesting here, which I think is... uh, I think you'll want to make note of. She says, wow, you pulled your punch, Peter. And even so, I'm surprised my head's still attached to my body. Thanks, though, for knocking some sense back in me. Now, finally, I truly understand what I am and what has to be done. Two beings, Jean Grey and Phoenix, separate and unique, bound together. A symbiote, Peter. Neither can exist without the other. Phoenix provides my life force, while I provide a living focus for its infinite power. So long as I live, the Phoenix will manifest itself through me. And so long as that happens, I'll eventually, inevitably, become Dark Phoenix. The power is a cos- the Phoenix is a cosmic power. It can neither be contained or controlled, especially by a human vessel. Return it to the cosmos, which is its home. Kill me. I think that's the first time. I don't know if it's the first time, first time. But this predates the creation of Spider-Man's black suit. So this is one of the first time the phrase a symbiote is ever said in a Marvel comic. You know, I love symbiotes. <laughs> but that's a, the per- so this is the perfect explanation of its of their relationship, like Gene and the Phoenix. Gene and the Phoenix are one being uh, in Claremont's conception. They're one being that need each other to survive. And then over time, that got must with, right? Like eventually Claremont gives it to Rachel because it's Rachel's birthright as Jean's daughter. And then at some point, eventually someone goes, hey, what if we gave it to to fucking Blade? (laughs) You can't put a power up into comics and expect it to stay as one thing. It is going to get put onto Wolverine. It's going to get put onto Spider-Man. It's going to get put onto fucking the Avengers. Like, there is... If you introduce a power-up, it is going to get put onto everybody. (laughs) It's so funny, because if you look at, like, the wiki page for the Phoenix Force, it's like... All... It's all X-Men characters, right? It's Jean Grey, Madeline Pryor, Rachel Summers, Jean again, Jean again, D- Emma, what? <laughs> the Stepford Cuckoo, huh? <laughs> They're telepaths, I guess. Right, when it, so here's the thing, when it expands out and it's like, hey, this is a thing that, uh, that's telepaths get. It's like, okay, cool. I can live with it being like a, because it's still close enough to Gene. The second it's like, Echo. Like, what? 
Like, it's Thor's mother. It, what? <laughs> it was, it gets very stupid. Uh, but. So. None of them want to kill her. They're all like, Gene, we They're like, we do don't. This. We don't want to kill you. Please fight it. We'll help you. Jean runs into the building and she's like, it's changing me too soon. Fuck. Yeah, and she's Dark Phoenix again. And Cyclops is like, Jean, wait, you're not giving us any choice. Choice was never yours. And she syndromes him again. You see, Scott, I told you. Jean to Phoenix to Dark Phoenix, a progression as inevitable as death. You of all people should know how I feel through the psionic rapport we share. I'm scared, Scott. I'm hanging on by my fingernails. I can feel the phoenix within me taking over. Part of me welcomes it. You want me to fight? I have, with all my strength. But I can't forget that I killed an entire world, five billion people, as casually, as unthinkingly as you would crumple a piece of paper. I want no more deaths on my conscience. Your way, I'd have to stay completely in control of myself every second of every day for the rest of my immortal life. Maybe I could do it. But even if I slipped, if I slipped for even an instant, if I failed, if even one more person died at my hands, it's better this way. Quick. Clean. Final. I love you, Scott. There's a big fucking gun behind her as she says this. Yeah, she's like lifting it up out of the ground. This yeah. like moon base. And Scott realizes what's about to happen. He says, Gee, no! Don't! No! And she fires it at herself. And and she yells Scott, he yells Jean, and she is Vapor. I actually, when I was originally reading this, I didn't know until you were just reading it. The way she says your way, I'd completely myself every second. Because that's what Cyclops is doing with his fucking eyes all the time. Yes. The, the parallel of, like, him thinking that, like, she could do that, and that would be feasible. Right. And, like, it's hard for him to do it. It's even harder for her to do it. Yeah, but just, like, the fact that, in his mind, that's a reasonable thing to request of her, basically. Right. Because I can do it, so you I know that you can do it. Yes, and you, you planned this, didn't you? From the moment we landed on the moon. You shielded out your intentions from our rapport. Just the same, I should have guessed. I should have realized. It, you could not become Dark Phoenix and remain true to yourself. The Jean Grey I knew and fell in love with. So you took steps to ensure that if I let her couldn't stop you, you'd do the job yourself. You must have picked the minds of the Korean scroll observers, learned what ancient weapons were hidden here. Then you used your fight with the X-Men to drain yourself of enough energy to make you vulnerable. And finally, when you were ready... You. You. Oh, Gene. Gene. Uh, we cut back to the Watcher, who has a robot oh. called the Recorder, who is basically saying, um, I have observed all that has transpired, yet I do not comprehend the meaning of the events. My historical circuits inform me that Gene Grant counted as good on Earth. As the phoenix, her power saved the entire universe from extinction, yet she was hounded unto death. Interrogative. Why? And the Watcher says, because she was human. Because and, no uh, man is ever truly good. No man is ever truly evil. 
That's that's basically what the Watcher gives us. He gives a long kind of waxy thing of good and evil and the. Yes, uh, he basically says, "Face with a choice. Face with a choice between keeping your godlike power, knowing she would then wreak death and destruction across the stars, and dying herself. She chose the latter. That is what makes humanity virtually unique in the cosmos, my friend." This extraordinary capacity for self-sacrifice, this ability to triumph over seemingly insurmountable obstacles with the cause being just, knowing all the while that to do so means certain death. The X-Men do not realize it. They may never realize it or accept it. But to this day, they have won perhaps the greatest victory of their young lives. Jean Grey could have lived to become a god, but it was more important to her that she die That's the end of that issue. Um, I really want to talk about masterpiece. I really want to talk about the classic story. Yes, because it's actually relevant. Um, so it starts with like kind of a bunch of like images of Gene that look that look like what surface. Um. It's a bunch of, like, flashback images of Jean that kind of look like playing cards that are all strewn out over a, over a white surface. And it says, Portraits and Patterns of a Life, Jean Grays. And it kind of talks about, like, when she got her powers, when she joined with Xavier, um, when she became the Phoenix, and uh, when she discovered that those self-same powers were beyond her ability to control transforming her from the universe's savior to a that was a role she refused to play, a life she would not live. All these images, random fragments at the time of their occurrence, yet forging a totality that led her in this moment, this place, everything bound together by one common element, the unquenchable eternal flames of the... And then it just kind of cuts off and doesn't finish that sentence. But you see the playing cards are like arranged in like a silhouette, like a, kind of like a chalk outline of a dead body. They catch on fire, and then Jean is laying there in an all-white phoenix costume. And she yells, Scott! And then she's like, alive? But how? It isn't fair. I tried so hard to die. And she's just on this like featureless brown um, like vista with like stars all above her. And then a hole opens in the floor to stairs, and this kind of, like, rugged construction dude walks out whistling with a bunch of girders. And he just starts, like, putting the girders down and, like, and she's like, hello? Could you tell me where I am? I don't mean to intrude, I'm kind of lost. But he's, like, not talking to her. She's like, hello, I'm talking to you. And he's like, so what? She's like, all I want are some answers. And he's like, I'm working. Universe don't revolve around you, sweetheart. Schedule. And she's like, fuck off. Okay, whatever. I'm leaving. And uh, she's like, what does it mean that I'm in a white costume? And she goes to like walk off of, like walk out, but she realizes she's on top of like this giant building that's just like floating in space. 
And uh, she goes, oh, those aren't stars. And the construction guy's like, of course they are, in a manner of speaking. And she says, don't play games with me. Those are galaxies. That's the whole universe. And she's another Um, and I won't, I won't read all the dialogue, but it's basically, like, her kind of waxing on about, like, the Phoenix power and, like, why she felt she needed to die and stuff. Yeah. Um, and she can't get out, so eventually she starts helping the guy build the building. Um, and then, so what she builds is, like, a little miniature building, and she looks in the window and is reliving the life that she killed as Dark next so she like sees herself at the moment of death as one of the citizens of and then she kind of lives through the moment of one of the gr soldiers on the ship that she destroyed and she's kind of seeing it from the other point of view uh she realizes that the construction guy is death and she says all right so what rooms for me he says, if you were meant for here, you'd be here. Uh, part of its fabric, as are those in your small contribution. And she says, no, it can't be. I won't have it. Are you implying I'm to be your apprentice? Am I death too? And he says, I am that I am. And she says, when I bonded to the phoenix, and he says, uh, but I, I just built a piece of your tower. What else could I be but a part of you? And he says, what else is life but a part of death? And so uh, they the talk I am, more the about... I am that I am there is really interesting to me, because that's like a thing that Jean says. I am what I am. And it becomes a thing that Madeline says later. I am what I am. Um, he says, death is the frame that gives life form and and it kind of zooms out, and you see he's been building like a game of orders. Um, I build the structure that the phoenix make within and without. Make no mistake, lass, you're hers, body and soul. She says, why can't I just be mine, belong to myself? And he says, who says the two are mutually exclusive? And he says that she's the most fiercely, unconquerably devoted creature he's ever encountered. Um, she cast aside her mortality for love. Small wonder the phoenix heard your cry, your kindred And it's kind of this explanation of, like, kind of digging really into, like, the phoenix is this, like, completely separate entity that was doing complete thing. It was also a part of Jean's personality. Like, um... The phoenix is the embodiment of life, passion, chaos, uh, intro, uh, yeah, pa uh, embodies life, all the pa messy and chaotic passion, and death is the order and structure and entropy. And uh, it's like, well, fine, when she did what she needed to do, why couldn't she have gone back where she came from? And death says, you are where she came from. Don't you understand yet? Uh, the phoenix is neither being nor entity. It is a sum and substance of what that lives. Right. Your unique you... gift is to be the one capable of wielding that. Came to you, in time to your children, 
because like the sword Excalibur was in North, it's yours by right. She says, whether I want it or not? He says, if you hadn't wanted it, you wouldn't have called it. If it hadn't been meant for you, it wouldn't have answered. And she says, I'd hoped selfishly that there were two of us, that I'd been possessed by some friend blame for And Death says, passion is a two-edged blade, with the finest of lines between the light and the shadow. When the scales lifted, the balance came down on the side of love. And she basically, like, regains the phoenix power as off from the town. And she says she's scared, and he says, it's a hard path before you, no question. Risks as great, temptations abounding as the rewards are all. One feeds desire, the other layers on her. No way to know the difference. She says, if I screw up, just learn, grow, do better. And she flies off and says, I won't forget. Things will turn out right this time. Take care. And he says, you too. That easy. And then he kind of looks through some cards of, like, I guess some is that she's going to be, like, with Mr. Sinister having her in some and the phoenix breaking out of the pod. Oh, okay. And he says, got it. That's Madeline stuff. And he says, I'm, I'm sorry. You'll remember neither word. Hey. I realized that was really long, but I thought it They do a lot of stuff in the backups that are like, hey, we need to, we want to flesh something out. Like, they stop him pretty much after, it's what, issue four of the backups? Like, right after this? 44 is the last classic X-Men, which is uh, Uncanny 138. 138? So this is the very last classic. Okay, got it. The next one. Yeah, so we'll briefly yeah, touch it's on just 138. Like, it is mostly recap. It is... Gene's funeral, uh, and it is Scott. A big time recap of it, it is everything. Five percent recap. Um, first page of Scott give, uh, saying, uh, narrating. He says, "All my life, it seemed that every time I turned around, I was losing people I loved. My folks, my brother Alex, the few friends I'd made in the orphanage. Each time the loss hurt. Losing you was a loss I couldn't take. Gene." everything to me. As necessary as the air I breathe. I said those words not long ago to a woman I loved more than my own life. Now I stand over her grave. Her name is Jean Grey. Mine is Scott Summers. This is our story. A week ago we talked of marriage, of building a home, a family, a life together. After all these years you think we've known better. Because we were X-Men, mutant superheroes, we had to learn the hard way what a high-risk occupation that could be. Life seemed simpler in the beginning. Xavier established a school for gifted youngsters to seek out mutants and train them with their powers. I like that they drew this panel where it's all of the all of the remaining uh, X-Men. The where Scott, Bobby, who it took me a second to realize that that was Bobby because his hair is so dark. It's Scott Bobby it's the Gordon fucking Hatton. first appearance of Bobby since he fucking disappeared. Bobby has not appeared in this book in like 40 issues. He has not. <laughs> Bobby, I think, has appeared once the entirety of Claremont's run <laughs> to this point. He's like, you know who's doing have no need for in this book? 
Iceman, get the fuck out of here. Um, so, he it recaps, recaps the entirety of Uncanny X-Men up to this point. <laughs> he recaps 137 issues of X-Men. Uh, yeah, um, Scott talks about how he's in so much pain. He says... Um, he goes to comfort Jean's parents, and, uh, Lylandra gives her some kind of special crystal that will let them see image of Jean and feel uh, the essence of her personality. Um, this does come up later, and I won't mention it because I know you're going to keep reading. Um, but she gives it to them and it's like, part of you will always be with me. Um, and so Scott goes to the professor and says, it's time I said goodbye. And that girl goes, why? Aren't you coming home with us? No. Um, I'm leaving the X-Men. Russ was like, yeah, I expected that, um, given the circumstances. So, yeah, and yeah. Scott's like, I don't know when I'll be back. I don't really know what yeah, I'm going to do, back. but I got to go get myself straightened out, you know? I'll keep in um, touch. It's like, I'll miss you, Scott. You were my son, my own flesh and blood. I could not have been more proud of you than I was. I wish you well. That's true, because, uh... Charles is more of a parent to Cyclops than he is to any of his own actual kids. Uh, Scott says, I'm alone, but that doesn't bother me anymore. I don't know where I'll go, what I'll do. Only one thing is certain. That, no matter what happens, I won't crawl back into my shell again. With Jean, I became fully alive. A whole human being. I intend to stay that way. I owe her that much, at least. And then at that very moment, a taxi arrives. 1407 came out in the mail. Uh, and drops off Kitty Pride. Does her t-shirt say bitch, by the way? <laughs> I don't think it does, but it's really funny to think that it does. Kitty <laughs> Pride glitter bitch shirt. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, she's about to become the newest and youngest pupil in Charles Xavier's school. The X-Men. Never be the same again. So, in case you're wondering, reader, where things go from here, the story then recenters with Storm as the leader of the X Men. Kitty is your point of view character from here on out. Cyclops is in and out of the book. He mostly appears in like small interludes, and you see what the fuck is Cyclops up to. He hangs out with a boat captain named Lee Forrester. Uh, he teams up with Swamp Thing. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's really good. And then he eventually winds up in Alaska with his grandparents. Um, he meets Matt. If Fire. you... Um, one last classic backup, and I won't talk about this one as long as I talked about the last one. It's Rogue. Oh yeah, she does appear in that last one. Yeah, rogues on the bicycle handles of some boy that she likes. They're kind of having fun, running through things. Um, Mystique is like, I warned you to stay away from boys. Shut up, Mom. She runs away. Uh, Destiny's like, hey, listen, can't be pushing Rogue away like that. I, she doesn't know what she needs. She's a kid. Rogue and the boy are hanging out. She kisses him even though she's not supposed to, and she, like, absorbs 
all of his memories and knocks him into a coma, runs away, runs back home, and now she's ready to do what Mystique wants. Yeah, and Mystique, uh, what Mystique wants her to do is terrorism. (laughs) Hold on, look at how fucking domestic Rogue and her moms are. (laughs) <laughs> Mama, I love him. <laughs> Destiny walking around. De- who's letting Destiny use a pot? I know that she can see the future and uses that to see, but do not let. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not evolved enough to let the bl- the blind woman handle a steaming kettle. Listen, she's fine. She can do it. Speak, please, Grandpa. Yeah. Um. Any final thoughts? Uh, it was de- like reading it for the first time was wild. By the yeah, way, because you've obviously <laughs> have encountered Dark Phoenix before. You know what Dark Phoenix is, and like I knew she was gonna die, but at the same time, it also was like the way the story was written. It <clears throat> it didn't even feel like a because it like a what to be so. Like, this is the only conclusion that can... Yes. There, um... Like, the thing about it, ultimately, is that... This is the way it had to go for the story to go where it had to go. And I find myself sometimes thinking about the world that Claremont saw if it had gone this way. If he had just been like, okay, they'll take her powers away, they'll remove the phoenix from her and seal it off, or whatever, and Scott and Jean will retire. What does that look like, ultimately? Um, But I think that it's fascinating to me that they've tried to adapt the Dark Phoenix saga in so many different forms, and there are so many little beats that get lost you know, they tried adapting it in the cartoon in the 90s. They tried adapting it when they did that X-Men anime that Madhouse put out a few years ago. Um, the movie. They tried adapting it in X-Men 3. They tried adapting it in X-Men Dark Phoenix. Like, it's a story I that... Think, I think one of the problems there is that Jean Grey is not one of those characters that, like, execs look at and they're like, she's marketable. Yes. they. So uh, they don't want to focus on her until it's time to do Dark Phoenix and now you don't have the you know, the setup required for this. Like, that. that's the thing, I think, is that Chris Claremont was committed to Jean Grey from day one. From his first issue on the book, he is he wants Jean to be the most interesting character. Right? Like, under Claremont, the most powerful characters on the book, the most powerful characters in the franchise, are Jean Grey and Storm. And eventually, Rogue comes in. Like, a lot of it is that Claremont is really interested in these female characters. He's really interested in Mystique. He's really interested in Rogue, in Storm, in Jean. In Destiny, in Emma. He's really invested in them. He wants you as the reader to be invested in them. Brian Singer is 
not invested in this industry. David Hayter, so God love him, wrote those wrote two of those X Men movies, but he's not invested in Gene the way that Claremont is. When you do these adaptations, you can't give them the same space to breathe that you can in a comic that runs for years and years. So some things obviously have to kind of be cut down, but when you lose the context of the Macron Crystal, when you lose the context of the Hellfire Club stuff, you lose the context of her fucking relationship with the X-Men. Yes, you lose, like, so much of the complexity and the depth of her relationship with Charles and Scott and Storm. Like, those three characters... She just ends up being the girlfriend character. And it's like, you... Like, you have to give her, you have to throw her a fucking bone if you're gonna do her Do her storyline. This is the Jean Grey story. The thing about, like, that first X-Men movie, which I do like, I watched it last year and was like, I had fun watching it. It flattens out a lot of those characters. So Scott becomes the leader, but he's kind of a stick in the mood. Um, you know, Jean is, you know, the girl. And Logan is the bad boy, right? It flattens them to these tropes. You know, and that loses a lot of the depth, again, and the complexity of their relationship uh, with not just each other, but to the team, to you, the reader. And so I think if you have never read The Dark Phoenix Saga, you are doing yourself a disservice by not reading it, by not getting the full scope of these characters and the full scope of this specific story. Yeah, it'll probably take you about as much time to been talking. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's true. Um, thank you all for joining us on this four-hour episode about the X Men. It's been a while since we did a long one like this. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at MCMF Pod. You can follow us on Instagram with the same handle. Follow me at Archer Arios, A R X H E R A R I O S. The X is a C. Do not make me explain it. Uh, Chloe, thank you for being on this episode. I know that. Thank uh, you for having me. This took a while. And when you get to another big milestone, uh, we'll hammer out which one. We'll keep going. Uh, to all of you, as always. Take care, and we'll catch you next time.